Hello, everyone, and welcome to Whiskey Wednesdays, a Fools and Flagons show. A Fools and Flagons show where I, the DM, review and discuss various topics regarding D and D while drinking a glass of whiskey. The stream will at last at least as long as it takes me to finish my glass, if not longer, as the conversations take place. We have started a new streaming schedule. There's a calendar to help keep track of all of our upcoming shows. Link should be down below for you to click on to see what's coming up next. In regards to that, uh, Whiskey Wednesdays will, for the moment, continue to be every week. Uh, well, I say that as this is the last Wednesday of the... Yes, so, um, starting... In the next five days. Starting next month, uh, Whiskey Wednesdays is going to be going to a bi-weekly schedule, much like our D&D campaign, just to give me more time to research stuff. Because on a week like this week, where I've got to prepare for our D&D campaign, and then also doing a bunch of research on a god that I know nothing about... It's a bit much. Uh, so we're just kind of chalking up this month as a celebration for starting a new show. But uh, we will be back next week because it is the off week of D&D. But after next Wednesday, it will be uh, going to bi-weekly. So speaking of that, uh, Whiskey Wednesdays will be available on Mondays after the show airs on Twitch on our YouTube channel in video form or in podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, and many other mainstream podcast services. We have also very recently um, added our podcast to quite a few new platforms. Um, there's iHeartRadio that we were accepted to. Uh, Pandora finally accepted us. And a few others that I can't think of off the top of my head. So there's more places for you to listen to us. And there's now no longer any excuses. So. Yes. And even if like, gonna... I guess you can join now. There are always excuses. Listen, now that the new movie is going to come out, they can even see it when they go to Disneyland or whoever has Pandora. So close yet so far. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> no, you don't. You love me. So, last but not least, donations are never required but always appreciated. If you would like to support us, please consider our coffee page. All proceeds from donations and memberships go straight back into making Fools and Flagons an even better experience. And it helps keep the podcast alive and well. It is not cheap to host a podcast, let me tell you. Uh, you can also purchase a doodle of questionable quality from our coffee page. For a mere $10, you are not only helping us out, but you'll also get a doodle from Venera of a creature of your choosing, the quality of which will be questionable at best. You can see examples of these during our intro slide, be right back, and when we close out the stream on our thank you for watching page. Uh, that about does it for all of my announcements. Anybody else got anything they want to chit-chat about? Nah, let's get to it. I don't know okay. if it's my internet being weird or if it's yours, but, like, it's just bad. Okay, so I'm not the only one. It's what is bad? bad? The stream? I'm mean, like, the stream sounds good. But, like, Discord keeps sounding pixelated, like you're talking mm. through a, um, a vocal synthesizer. I'm mm. hearing no none of that. Guess just, guess so this is me with the vocal synthesizer. Oh my gosh. If that's not it, it ain't me. Okay. Okay, then yeah, it's probably just like Tampa heaven. I want to point out for the stream that did not go through, so it sounded like you're just a normal voice. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I think I have the my, my actual microphone set uh, in OBS and not... Uh, my actual microphone set. Yeah, I, I sound okay on the stream, so... We're okay. Okay, just just making sure. Yeah, all good. Appreciate you looking out. I'm gonna blame it on Zach for destroying the kitchen. He's fucking with your internet. 
Apparently he ate all of his ketchup and he can't find the it. The bastard. <laughs> he just ate the whole bottle. Whole fucking bottle. All right. So. Sorry, I was taking my first sip of whiskey. You. I was officially starting the uh, the stream tonight. So. Yeah. On our there, there, mayor menu, we're going to be talking about uh, deities for the most part. Going to be talking about deities? pantheons and deities. Oh. We're going to be talking about uh, real-world deities and how you can integrate them into your D&D campaigns, how they have been integrated into D&D campaigns. And there was a request for me to talk about the deities that I came up with for my campaign. Okay. Look, if you're going to participate, <laughs> quit yelling in my back from the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> Asshole. You bastard. Uh... Pez also wants to talk about Tiamat, his kobold's uh, general deity. Tiamat does not mm -hmm. exist in my world, unfortunately. Um, and then we had two suggestions from Martyr on our Discord, where you can go log or log in. You can hop into our Discord, and there is a Whiskey Wednesdays suggestions chat where you can recommend topics for us to discuss live on stream so he has recommended death saves which i have a few more notes and what's just on the menu and alignments specifically player alignments so who would like to pick from the menu where we start tonight um don't everybody speak up at once i'd like a number one hold the uh death <laughs> I can't guarantee you the lack of death, but we shall start with number one. So, uh, pantheons in general and how to incorporate them into D&D. &D. So, it's an interesting take because it really kind of depends on which deity that you want to go for. Because some pantheons have different lore depending on which era that you're talking about. And then trying to factor those into your D&D campaign. Are you going to use the idea of the deities? Are you going to use their lore super specifically and make that become fact in your world? Or is it just going to be, I mean, no offense to the, any religious people out there, or is it going to be like religion is now where people just believe that that's what's happened? <clears throat> so... A kind of decent example of this is looking at the Dragon's Odyssey uh, module that we attempted for a little while, and then we, hey. some of us kind of got tired of it. The general idea was it was sort of a reference to the Olympian gods with their Titan forefathers still technically in existence. And how those conflicts would arise had the theoretical Zeus not actually, you know, imprisoned them all in Tartarus and whatnot. So, kind of the idea behind that one was the Olympian gods, I don't remember all their names exactly, but they lived among the mortals. They ruled over cities. Um, and they basically struck a deal with the Titans to not fight each other and not wage war and f fucking kill everybody yeah if i remember correctly 
Uh, there were only five of them. One kind of represented Hermes slash Artemis. Another one was pretty much Athena copy pasted. Another one was like kind of a cross between Apollo and Ares. So think like a uh, Ares war god status with kind of Apollo's Percy Jackson laid back attitude. Um, and there was uh, the Smith, who was pretty much Hephaestus as a dwarf. And then you had the fifth one, who was the only one who had wasn't technically around because of some lore-specific stuff, but she was basically female Zeus. But less horny. Yeah. Zeus with tits. And a conscience. She was in the position of Zeus. She was not Zeus incarnate. Correct. <clears throat> Interesting. She was, she was more Hera. She was more... Nice Hera than Zeus. Red does not have a conscience, so I don't know what you're saying about having a conscience and Hera in the same sentence. Uh, okay, so essentially what this particular goddess was is she was the quote-unquote ruler of the gods. That is the end of the comparison between her and Zeus and Hera. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh... Words, Disney confused so sorry, many people. I was going to make a Gandalf reference. Hera as she should have been. Well... Uh. Again, Disney ruins so many people's like perception, and they get so shocked, Sorry, and they're on. like, "Oh my god, she's a psycho!" Wait, Zeus didn't try to eat all of his or tried to eat all of his children? Oh no! No, Zeus no, didn't try to eat his children. That was Chronos. Uh, his dad. Yeah, that Kronos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Good try, though. I yeah. appreciate Fuck the you. effort. Fuck you know, it's funny you bring that up. I was I was driving to work the <laughs> other day, and I saw a little sign stuck in the dirt. And it said, drive like your kids live here. And I was like, that'd be a really fucked up thing if it's like the Olympians or the Titans because they would aim. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah. like grandpa used to say that. Cut to all the Hera other... throwing Hephaestus wow, off. Wow, way to talk over her, Zeke. He can't hear me. He Sorry. mutes me. I did not hear. I got her turned down again. Well, stop it. You're being rude. Sorry. He's not sorry. No. Kill him. I'm not even in the house right now. I'm babysitting my brother. But um, I was going to say, my grandpa used to call all my cousins spare parts because I was the only girl. And they had to run in the woods and flush out deer because he didn't want to pay for dogs. So I actually think he would probably aim for his grandkids at this point if he was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I still have two cousins who can't walk through air support security without beeping the thing because they have buckshot in their ass. <laughs> it's not gay if it's Sir. TSA. <laughs> Sir, do you have a weapon on you? Does well, kinda. <laughs> Define weapon. Heavy metal uh, weapons ass. grade cake. What was that, Martyr? Um, heavy metal ass. Heavy metal ass. <laughs> I got a maraca ass. <laughs> this ass is full metal jacket. The sad part is, is one of my cousins thought it would be romantic to get it removed, and he put it in a necklace for his girlfriend. Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> it was so Ew. Ass around your neck. Ew. <laughs> so anyway, uh, when incorporating deities like this into your campaign, me personally, it's I would say it's more important that you kind of use the actual lore to influence what you want to do. If you want them to be, like, to the letter, that's fine. You do you, but... I wouldn't say that that's necessary. You can absolutely just say, well, they look like this. This is kind of how they act. But, you know, 
they're not going to participate like Ragnarok's not going to be a thing if you're going with the Norse pantheon or maybe you don't like the Norns from their uh, pantheon or the Jotuns and you really just want like Odin, Loki, Hel, and Thor. That's fine. Take your pick. It's your world. Um, there's really kind of no limit. I mean, they're fucking gods. Just, yeah. Like literally do whatever the fuck you want at that point. It's very easy to just copy and paste name... Uh, kind of their general realm of godhood, and then just make the rest of it up, because as soon as your players see them, they're like, oh, okay, I recognize. I roughly know what this guy's about. His lore may be completely different in your world, but you still give your players a rough idea of what you're going for. And sure. Actually, on that note, that that's actually something to be careful of, is that if you go to Carbon Copy with what they look like and what their names are, if you change how they would act, you kind of run the risk of your players potentially well i say potentially metagaming the wrong idea if you say that there's this guy he's got a hammer he controls lightning he's got you know fabio golden hair they're gonna be like oh that's fucking thor and depending on which thor you're looking at it's like oh he's a great guy he's really good he's a hero or no he's a complete and total asshole we need to stay the fuck away from him so you kind of got to be careful in that aspect on that as well, I would also say make sure you're somewhat conscious of the religions of the people who are at your table. Mm -hmm. um, because there are a lot of pagans out there who, if you butcher one of their gods or goddesses, that would be a very upsetting thing at the table, especially if you stand behind that. Or if you know someone is very... I know we had someone who was playing with us at one point who was very, very religious, and the DM would not stop making fun of religion through the game. And just tore the entire party apart because like some people thought it was funny but everybody who knew how religious that particular player was knew it was jabs at them and it, the whole campaign only lasted like four months because of just how ridiculous it got so you want to make sure you're also being conscious of the players and where they stand on it as well and that if they feel uncomfortable that you adjust accordingly yeah, well, to that, a degree. that also kind of goes degree. that also goes both ways but, if yeah. yeah. If you say that, like, no, this is how my world is going to be, and they don't like that, then they're just not a good fit for this campaign. It happens. I was about to say, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not going out religion bashing. If religion works for you, that's your thing. But, like, if if a DM comes up with a storyline where, like, the people make fun of a god, or they don't like a god, or they're not a favor of no, it. No, I'm like, not, I'm not saying, like, that, like, little, like, the, like. Like, literally bashing thing. their religion. It was literally no, no. bashing their religion or if they were taking like if you have someone who's pagan at the table and you're using one of the like let's just say like someone really like is a person who celebrates Loki and who is a like that's their god and you just kind of turn it into a caricature and you turn it into a thing when you had other options or you could have done stuff like that and you know it's making them vastly uncomfortable that's what I'm saying like I'm not saying don't use gods and I'm not saying yeah. You know, you can't make fun of religion a little bit. I'm also, but I'm saying, like, make sure you know your audience and just how upset are they actually getting with that yeah. kind of stuff. That's what more what I was saying in life. Know your audience. That's a big part of it. Because, I mean, you know, bless Kirsten's wee little heart. She's She believes in the North's pantheon. That's who they celebrate. And she's an absolute fucking champ because she knows that when we make jokes, we don't mean it. We bash on everybody, no matter what your religion is, what you believe in, who you want to take home and bang. It doesn't matter. We could totally agree with you. We're still going to make fun of you because that's just how 
our our particular group is. That doesn't apply to everybody. And I mean, yeah. speaking of which, she's actually even warned me, like, be careful putting the beads in your beard because they, they have Nordic runes on them. It's like, make sure they're the right way up so you don't get cursed. And it's like, okay, witchy lady, I'll be good about that, I promise. <laughs> you don't get cursed. <laughs> I can get cursed. Cool. Yeah. I, will, I will never <laughs> stop calling her crystals Weeboo Kami Space Rocks. <laughs> And, and, you know, whenever he says that, she says, I'm going to beat you over the head with my Weeboo Kami Space Rocks. And we we giggle because it's fucking funny. Yeah. I love the idea of Kirsten showing up at Zeke's doorstep and just going, hi, whack. <laughs> she just has a rose quartz in one hand. <laughs> yeah. See, it, it'll be even funnier if she puts the runes that I made her in a bag and shows up at the <laughs> house. And she's like, Becca, I'm here. And then just beats Zeke in the corner. And she, like, beats him with my runes that I made her. And then she's like, I'm here to do D&D stuff. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> While she's beating him in the corner, you're rushing off to get two glasses of wine. Excuse you. We do not drink wine in my house. It is either vodka or nothing. Apologies. Wine. Glasses. Wine glasses. True, Would you... you accept wine glasses of vodka? Yes. Okay, I'm we're on, we're in the same book then. No, nope, I'm going to come down a visit you and drink wine. There's a an entire box of, of Mountain there... Dew alcohol. A megabyte. <laughs> that is also true. There is Mountain Dew alcohol, which I am very upset that I can't drink tonight, so thank you for bringing that particular wound up. Sorry. I've actually seen that at our Kroger. I, I'm so just not interested in trying any of it. It's celebrate. Okay. In celebration of what's going on, when I come down to visit you guys, I'm going to come down and have a mega pint of wine. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Don't even We allow care. it. We allow it. Like, Wine's no, out of line in the house. Going to drink it even more. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's hilarious because Zeke bought the Mountain Dew for me, and he's drank more of the alcoholic Mountain Dew than I have. And I you still haven't monster. gotten, to, I still haven't gotten even to try it. So I'm Green like bitch. so sad because I see it every day, and I'm like, Nothing's damn it. Nothing's stopping you. Yes, it is. It is called commitments, work, and trying not to die. Those all sound like excuses to me. Fair. <laughs> like, um, one thing I did with the gods was more on uh, going on the fly because one of my uh, players played a Norse character and he was constantly pray praying towards the gods and stuff like that. It was like, how am I going to incorporate this in Storm King's Thunder? Um, yeah. And what I ended up doing was that the tales were wrongfully written, so to say, and that the dragons were the giants slash titans and the giants were the gods. Huh. Oh. See, that's fucking clever. And, yeah. yeah, it's more like um, propaganda from the dragons, you know, that people thought, oh, giants bad. <laughs> <laughs> giants he, bad! <laughs> He is starting to learn that now, that maybe Giant's not bad. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Storm King's Thunder, because I did have a point I wanted to make, uh, just dealing with pantheons in D&D &D in general. If I ever do end up running Storm King's Thunder again, which I hope I do. Uh, we've because, been in the talks with it. Yeah, we've been in the talks. I am running it with a completely different pantheon uh, from what is in the books for Faerun, because just... As a note for any DM out there making your own Pantheon or copy and pasting one, one god per field of godhood. It is too dang complicated when you have 25 different gods and, like, you have three gods per uh, kind of realm of godhood. Like, you don't need three gods of forgery, three gods of trickery, three gods of the blah, 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 blah. 
It is just too dang complicated. One god per thing. Just keep it simple. And like, I mean, no more than ten gods per pantheon. Uh, how many gods do I have again? Hang on, keep talking. I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna do some math. <laughs> I, think, I think you have like some, well, around ten. Like, if you have like fifteen or twenty, that is too, that is too dang much. Just it, yeah. you gotta, it's you gotta keep it simple because then like it's, you. It just look. I'm just saying the, when we so. yes in Greek mythology. There are sometimes gods that have over overlapping uh, uh, powers and stuff. That's that's a real religion, or was at least. I know there's some. I think I think there's still some people who practice Hellenism and everything. That's fine. Um, but like in pop culture, what is kind of permeated into pop culture? We have the Twelve Olympians. We all know those guys, and it, we've kind of lost the rest of them. And that's just because keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. You can't it, keep it safe. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Listen, people back in those days didn't have the internet and all of these important things not important to remember. <laughs> Martyr, what have you been trying to say for the past five minutes? <laughs> right. No, 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 don't worry about it. It was, it was just like how, like how I've written it as well. Like, you know, how you, if you die as a warrior, you, you go to the afterlife and otherwise you're pretty much fucked. Um, how I did it now is if you die as a warrior, you get reborn as a storm giant. DM, this is uh, now canon. Fuck. Zeke, I have 11 gods. If and, you kill me, I'll come back more powerful. And the, the thing was, like, I had a whole thing written out for him, but he's one of the players that quit recently. Oh, uh, what a but dick. I had a, whole, I had a whole thing written out uh, that um, at some point he would meet his father again as a storm giant. Um, and for me, I like to play um, that my time is uh, wibbly-wobbly. Kind of bullshit, mm -hmm. and um, like he would be technically like if he would die in the campaign, he would be reborn technically as the leader of the of the storm giants. Very nice. Interesting. I had a whole thing written for it, and it's all gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just <been> dipped. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry. Well, but it's it's fun to like play with. With gods, but like you said, like don't make it too complicated. I have eleven deities. Yeah, right that around is, ten. Perfect. That is doable. Yeah, and each of them kind of have their own specific realm of godhood. Yeah. Uh, so define that a little bit more because I I did this one very different. Well, you you did your yeah yours is very different because you have like one god per people which is actually i've seen before in fantasy writing so that's like totally yeah. on board with that there's a book series uh for anyone who hasn't read it before called the belgarid wonderful book series go read it it's uh by david eddings uh, but he uh, does the same how do you thing. spell it i'll put it in chat uh i would have to look at the spelling because the spelling is kind of okay. weird uh david eddings is uh here i'll put it in chat uh david because he's got a bunch of other books too eddings yeah david eddings is the author um oh. go look it up his book series the bill garrett uh but he did the same thing you did there's like a kind of a viking uh scottish blend of people that have their own god there's an island dwelling people that have their own god there's even a group of people of who live in the yeah i, I know uh they they even have uh, a group of people in like a, a jungle who have their own snake deity thank you becca uh <laughs> um 
Oh, thank you, Becca. Uh, so yeah, each here? of them have. The... Yes. Uh... <laughs> very confused. Uh, but they each have their own god, so that's actually like a well-established thing that I definitely respect uh, because that's the same thing you did. Each group of people has, or each kind of area has a god that is over their area, right? right? Well, so the way that I went about it is because I was kind of like you with, with Faerun and just looking at the different deities and all. Um, and that, like, if you wanted to be a cleric and you wanted to be a healer, you were kind of shoehorned into picking between, like, two or three. If you wanted to be a warlock, well, you could only worship, well, I say worship, you know, go into contract with these deities because they're all evil. They all want your soul. If you Man. wanted to be a druid, it's like, well, you really want to go for these deities. You didn't have to, but it's like you... It just didn't make you, sense not Yeah, to. it didn't make sense to, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I got you, boo. The way that <laughs> I could, couldn't word so good. So the way that I wanted to go about this with, with my um, pantheon was... I wanted everyone to play what they wanted to play, where they wanted to play them, and not feel shoehorned into picking an area because, like, if I made Valkyrie be in charge of, like, all battle and all war or whatever, I didn't want to force Brick to be a Rokasing just to be a fighter or a barbarian. Basically, Mm -hmm. every single deity is able to fit every single role, be it cleric druid warlock fighter monk whatever hooker they, they can hooker bot 5000 they can all fit those <laughs> roles as needed because they were essentially put in charge of their entire people so they had to fill those roles again that doesn't mean that if you want to have your character live in the untamed west you you can still worship you know thalia you don't have to worship coyote I wanted there to just be full flexibility for anyone to do whatever they wanted. Now, in my next campaign, it's going to be the complete opposite. But that's for completely different reasons and a different lore entirely. That's something that I have to worry about, not necessarily these guys. Like, your your way of doing it still makes sense according to the rules of Mm -hmm. Mm D&D. Because if enough... According to the rules, if enough people believe like that someone is a god then that person will receive the power of a god slowly but surely wait, wait say that again no 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 once was enough technically technically yes if you have enough followers you can become a god new goal thank god i can still veto <laughs> um i mean that's actually true and it's very much along the lines of like american gods with like enough people start like really being addicted to one thing and all of a sudden there's like a god that just sprouts out of the ground for that thing yeah starbucks yeah fucking everywhere man yep speaking of becca i'm still gonna have to sit down with you to talk about your character for the one shot if you're still interested i know i am i'm sorry i've been so busy everyone has been absolutely slammed do not feel bad yeah i play Um, no, because it's in the same universe that we're currently uh, playing in. Yeah, fuck you. I'm in the booth. Yeah, but I think both, uh, and I think everyone, I think would agree with me. Both are absolutely valid uh, ways oh, absolutely. to create a pantheon. Um, you can go uh, kind of realm of godhood. Their kind of power, whether that be 
light or healing or uh, the uh, power over death or power over war. Or you can just go like, oh, this god is the region of this area of land right here. You can also be uh, in even further lazy in saying that like each realm of sorry each realm of magic has a deity so like this deity presides over all of divinity type magic this god presides over all evocation so they kind of like dabble in a bunch of different things but you have to make way less yeah you want to know what random thought i just had about this is you know how you can buy like one square foot of scottish soil or whatever it is and become a lord just like yeah (laughs) just have like one guy buy like five square feet of like land in D and just be like, I am the God of this. Now I live here. The ants are my subject. And just like have some crazy guy in the middle of the town being like, these are my five square feet. And he knows how God to speak with over. animals. So once a colony of like a million ants starts believing him. <laughs> exactly. Away Pez's backstory. When did, <laughs> one giving when people your fuel. Or just have, one day like, the a... crazy guy just ascends to the heavens. Right? And they're like, oh god, the rapture. But Or like he has like just like one giant ass ant farm and knows beat speak and is just like, I am God now. Fear me. And like, everybody's like, okay, crazy guy. Do we need to have like your mom come and get you? Are you okay? Or God forbid have like a Who let you out of the house? Or have like a little kid druid who just like hears the ants and just gives them food. And they're like, this must be God. And he's just like, (laughs) becomes a God at the age of five because he doesn't know what's happening. And he's just feeding ants that can talk to him. Wait, so people don't have to be the thing that believes in you? No. Thank you. Correct myself, I correct myself a little bit. You cannot become a god with, by having followers, but having enough worshippers is enough for the first step towards becoming a demigod. Yeah, there's still a whole fucking ritual that you have to go through that's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a shit ton, but worshippers so, is step one. Yeah. So what is this What is this ritual? No, no, yeah, go, go, go research it yourself. In, in, in character, in game. Well, I think, I think this would be a useful thing for right now. It's about gods and stuff like that. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> watch, watch Zahn just has, like, a random, like, box he carries everywhere. And they're like, what's in the box? Nothing. And it's just, like, a own personal anthill. Just no one with them everywhere. At There's night, actually... he pokes open the lid and goes, worship me, worship me, worship me, worship me. <laughs> no, see, I have to put food in there first. <laughs> There's actually a dangerous precedent with the ants thing, considering uh, super colonies that keep popping up in California. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's true. So what you're saying? So what you're saying is I could be more powerful. <laughs> you know, you know what else that reminds me of is um, the South Park episode where they had the sea monkeys who somehow, oh yeah like they worship they they each other butters. and 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 um. It was Cartman and it was Butter. shit. It was, it was Tweak. Tweak, Tweak, Tweak. Oh, it was Tweak. Tweak. This is too much pressure. And they did like wars against each other and ended up building nukes and just wiping the entire tank out. Like, think of how like amazing that would be where you just have like these two kids who are just like, I feed the ants. And all of a sudden the ants just start like a war. And that's like the whole campaign is to stop this ant war that's like killing all these people because two kids decided to feed rival ant colonies. No, no, that's the campaign. The players are the ants in a war. Yeah. That's like a perfect campaign. (laughs) And then we have Pez playing a termite. (laughs) 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 Uh, Imagine the, the, the whole plot unfolding and the players realizing they're just ants 
And there's children feeding them. Oh god. <laughs> like, their god is just, like, five-year-old Timmy from down the road. <laughs> yes. It'd I do not want to write that one shot. It'd be funnier if it was Cartman and Tweak. <laughs> you have, like, a uh, like a warlock or a cleric that has the ability to talk to the god and like, What shall we do now? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's too much pressure. Do what you want. <laughs> or pull a bender and be like, I want a brewery. A brewery on every fucking corner. Also, make me weed. Either way. Nobody insults the turtles. Turtles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that Bender ever smoked weed. I know he was pretty hard into, like, stogies and all. No, he smoked weed at one point. Hmm. No weed every day. All right. Uh, shall we continue on through our topic menu? Mm-hmm. Onward. Well, tell you what. Since Martyr is here, let's cover some of his topics. Uh, just in case he <laughs> passes the fuck out. Um, it's only two a.m. It's okay. Like I, I said, work just, just in case. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's go with the first one. You said death saves. So, you roll up front, or make it so the rest of the party doesn't know. And I asked him to elaborate a little bit. And he said, most DMs let their players roll their death saves out for the whole party to know where they are at. Some rule it so that the DM rolls them, and that the player rolls them in secret, so that the rest of the party doesn't know how close they are to actual death, because that puts a bit more pressure on the rest and changes the way they handle someone going down. So, basically, it's either... The player rolls it in secret, or they roll so the entire party knows. Um, like I, I've, from all the podcasts that I listen to, there's one that actually it's even the DM that rolls it, so that the player themselves don't even know. Because oh. tech, pure technically, it's a little bit of metagaming knowing how far away from death someone is. You know. True. And it, to me, it's an interesting idea that the party like the player can know in my opinion but it's an interesting idea that the party doesn't know so that they really have to choose like oh yeah he already has two successes and no failures we gonna keep hitting the enemy yeah it's um, like eh, he'll be fine yeah that, that just turns into he went down oh no now what yeah, but at the same time, I there's one thing that I don't like, and that's taking my character's roles out of, or like somebody's character's oh, roles out of their. You can you can still roll them, but not let the party know. Oh, okay. yeah, no, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, and I, I think that is one thing that I, I do try to encourage in the the campaign that I'm DMing is that you don't you do not express your numbers to someone else. If they say, "How are you looking?" you go. I'm okay, or I was like, I'm looking kind of rough. You don't say, oh, I have 13 left. You will you can say that, oh, like, no, no. as a sidebar after the fact, like, when the combat's on, you're like, whoo, I had five points of health left. Like, that's fine, but in the moment, no, you do not say numbers because, you know, you say, I don't look good, or, oh, I'm fine. What are you feeling? I don't feel 100%. I feel about 17 out of 64. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think we've talked no, about. But... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I think we talked about stuff 
similar to this before that I've actually brought up, and that I think it's a group consensus is like, yeah, it's not as fun when you're not the one rolling the dice. But I think it's actually, I think it, uh, I think you're absolutely right in that it would kind of ramp up the suspenses uh, if only the DM and the downed player knew where they were on the death saves because everyone else is like, well, shoot, do we leave them or do we actually help them? Make it even better if the player that went down is good at poker facing. Mm. So Zeke's out. It. Yeah, Zeke's done. I was going to suggest getting a pair of sunglasses. I could do it. <laughs> Nim could do it. It's so hard the, the... to tell what... Yeah, well, so... Zach and Nim are polar opposites. Nim just has the most... Like, the best poker face. He, like, just no emotion whatsoever. Zach just fucking smiles all the time. Mm, I can, yeah, that's the funny thing is Zach can hide things that you guys don't even know about because I'm always smiling. You guys, which is why I said you smile. smile all the time. Yeah. Oh, I see. You it's a polar opposite. I misunderstood. I'm sorry. I'm a weak and no, don't fight me. I will do. fucking pay attention. Sh- I hear up. you tippity tapping playing something else. I'm not tippity tapping playing something else. I'm tippity tapping. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Can you actually hear that though? Only when you're talking. Oh, yes. oh okay. I feel I feel alright. Okay. But it's interesting to like take away the knowledge of it a little bit. In in my opinion, it, I mean that's it, what we've been doing though, isn't it? Like in uh, our, in our have, have has it? Have you guys gone down yet? We haven't Pez, gone down much. Pez went down once. He's the only one mm-hmm. that's like. Well, I almost died. Uh, Kip went down. Yeah, Kip went down. Uh, I think Brick almost. Like, I got very close one yeah. time with the T-Rex. Uh, I know I've gotten pretty close as well a couple of times. Or, yeah, it's a yeah, couple you, times. You got close on the train when the Duke Fucking shot the piss out of you. Brick, uh, was... I think you're right. I do remember you getting... I think you were down into, like, almost the single digits fighting the T-Rex. Yeah. Actually, uh, no. I think, I, was... I think you did go down. I think the Maybe T-Rex bit the shit out of you. Yeah. And then there was... There, I think, yeah, I think the T-Rex downed me, and then there was another time where I was, like, three hit points away. Like, I was that real close. That may have been Trentonville when Pez went down, too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, we haven't exactly uh, had the opportunity to really explore that too terribly much, thankfully. Um, the only... I just mm-hmm. want to put in put in there. I think for at least for our first campaign, uh, when Zach was playing his fighter, I think the only time he ever went down was when I just smacked him around with a giant, and then he killed the giant. Yeah, it was the town <laughs> where you literally put me. No, I didn't go down. Yeah, no, you were uh, you no. were unconscious, and then Zutroth healed you. That's and right. And then you pick up and chopped his legs off. Yeah, yeah. You were like, okay, well, I'm pissed now, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Yeah, um, okay, that does make it. Hmm? I just posted one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about in the Whiskey Wednesdays chat. It's a okay. TikTok, but death rolls your saves. Elaborate. What? Where, like, if. The um, god of death, if, you mean? Yeah, like, literal death. Uh, where is it? Because I was on my phone when I posted that. I just don't want to play it on the stream in case it's um, we get flagged for anything. 
I almost had the thought of flipping a coin for uh, death saves. But I mean, it, that's it's, not fair. I mean, yeah. it really is a coin flip. It's Well... Uh, no, it's, in essence, in it's favor. the same mechanic. No, no, it's they just... are in your favor. They're 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 All right. nine nine for failure, eleven for success. Right, yeah. right, right. It's because honestly, yeah. a coin flip would be so much doper. <laughs> okay, but then so, you cannot have a not twenty. Or according to this, True. on a one or a two, your soul goes to nothing. You just disappear. On a three or a four, nothing seems to happen. The soul just fades away until, like, the party does something. Five or a six, the soul is sent to the plane of whatever being has the greatest claim to that soul. On a seven or an eight, the person sits right back up, full HP, full spell slots and everything, but they owe death a favor. Interesting. And so now... Is this after they were to fail all of their death saves, or is this literally like you go unconscious, the D8 gets rolled? Yep, just one D8. Eh. Oof, that's that's eh, too risky. That's a little I don't like it. That's a little rough for you going down and then just being immediately just done, gone, not even able to be healing worded back up or revivified. I mean, it, it sounds great if, if we all sit down and we're like, this is going to be a hardcore campaign. Here's yeah. the stakes. And, and you know, so if everyone's wait, on this, board with that. Would this be after you roll three fails? No. Or would this just in place of three fails? In place. Oh, no. Heck no. Yeah, you go unconscious, this is what happens. Like, Man. flavor text-wise, interesting. You can like, do it actually, for a brutal campaign. Yeah, for like a hardcore campaign, that sounds pretty dope but i also don't have a deity that's like specifically the god of death coyote he's, no, he's not specifically church. the god of death all the deities handle their own afterlives but there's no specific like ruler of heck yeah that da thing sounds very tomb of annihilation I thought it was a cool idea. It is a very cool idea. Very cool idea. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Doing our little strikeout. Uh, so, any closing thoughts, remarks on that? Or do we want to move on? Only closing remark is like uh, for the secret death saves that only a DM and the roller know. I wouldn't be against implementing that in our current campaign. I mean... I'd honestly almost be okay with myself not knowing. I mean, you know, it's going to be on the honor system, but it yeah. could be very intriguing for me to be like, okay, are they going to die? Do I be it? Would this creature, you know, go for the stab and kill them? Or do I think, okay, I could waste the turn killing this guy. Or do I go and try to add the threat of, you know, taking more down. And then it's just as a surprise to me as it is everyone else when it's like, you hear a gasp, or, you know, you would you would tell us if you got all three and you're back to one hit point. But until then, I just say, you know, roll your death save, and then we move on. Yeah, no, that, that's more of a thing that you come to an agreement on when a campaign starts. That's not something to implement halfway through. Well, but at the same time, we've 
changed things and implemented new things because I want this I want this whole experience to be fun. I'm not going to tie everything down to day one on my first ever time DMing and, you know, coming up with rules and ideas that are really fucking awesome that everybody's down. Because we've changed how we do critical hits after that conversation yeah. that we had. Because I sat everybody down and said, hey, this sounds dope as fuck. It's better for you guys. Do you want to go with this? And everyone said, yeah, so we did it. If, if there's even one person that says, no, I don't like that, then we don't do it. That's fair. And not only that, but if we're going to, if you guys are going to go on the honor system, this is definitely the group to go on the honor system with because just we make jokes about the fact that Pez would be able to lie and keep a straight face, but he wouldn't do it. So, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll touch you know of. True. <laughs> yeah, I have characters ready to go. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if there Nim is not afraid of. They're all Nim, rangers. Nim is just gonna die just so he can use some of his characters. <laughs> oh, what is the, the critical role one? The the fucking wizard dude. He was like Barlin and is like Farlin and Harlin and Katarlin. Like literally just changed the first letter of the guy's name. Every time he died, died like fucking 30 times. Nim is not did afraid you, of death. Did you see that thing online where it was like the kid died in his can in this campaign? Yes. Like the, the eight year old. <laughs> and all he did was add junior to it. And he's like, I'm here to avenge my father. Best plot hook ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if this was, if anyone in this group, if this was a group that we felt we couldn't trust, we would be rolling through like D and D Beyond or something. Like, nope, everyone's rolling through. Like, we don't care. Like, yeah, all of us, at least well, a large portion of us, like rolling physical dice, and like we trust each other to give accurate readings. Do you really think I'd be lying about how shitty I'm rolling? That is fair. <laughs> I am not lying. <laughs> 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 he wishes he was, but he. I not. wish as I was. I wish as I was so much. Yes, all the wishes was. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely have to bring that up with, uh, everyone else in the group chat and see, you know, kind of gauge the water. Cause I'm down with it. I like the suspense there and I almost even just prefer it because, you know, you look over and you see your buddy on the ground bleeding. You don't know if the magic of being the hero is going to be enough to save him from his wounds. So. Yeah. armor. Say, say it's again. not a. Plot armor. Plot armor. Plot armor. No, no. If these fuckers die, they die. It's not a normal reaction to see your friend bleeding out and go, Ah, oh, he'll be fine. Well, <laughs> have, hold on. Have you met Zach? Florida. That's fair. I mean, okay. Shit, I look at myself and I'm like, like, on that topic, like, I still remember when I was working, cut my fingers straight to the bone. Everyone was freaking out. I was gushing blood everywhere. I went to my car, got super glued, glued my fingers back together, duct taped my fingers, and went right back to work. That's That's metal. <laughs> it's actually probably one of the best ways to handle it. Mm -hmm. You're literally Dude, super glue made your for skin together. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> super glue was not made for like gluing a piece of plastic to plastic originally. It was literally designed for medical purposes. Yeah, but you, you it super glue it, you duct tape it, and then you go to the hospital. <laughs> nah. I mean, I, I mean, I was shot and just put a tampon in it, went home and got ice cream. So, I mean, Got to make that money, man. Got to get that ice cream, in Becca's case. 
Gotta get debt. Gotta get that rocky load. I literally asked my dad to go. I literally asked my dad to go get ice cream for me because, and he's like, "How did you get home?" I'm like, "I drove myself." And he's like, "You can drive your ass down to McDonald's." Gotta get that rocky road. Oh god. Chocolate chip. Uh, okay, so that's death saves covered. Let's uh, let's scooch on down to alignment because there's gonna be a bit of reading here because uh, it comes to my attention that a lot of people don't necessarily understand alignments, and specifically more, I would like to talk about uh, alignment loyalty because I feel like that's that's where a lot of people have uh, difficulty. So gonna go through and describe the different alignments really quick. You have, first off, lawful good. Creatures can be counted on to do the right thing as expected by society. Gold dragons and paladins are typically lawful good. It's your basic boy scout, law enforcer, white knight kind of thing. You have neutral good. Uh, folk do the best they can to help others according to their needs. Many celestials are neutral good. Then you've got chaotic good. Creatures act as their conscious directs with little regard for what others expect. Copper dragons and unicorns are typically chaotic good. They're a little bit more whimsical and random, but they're not going to do bad things. You've got uh, lawful neutral. Individuals act in accordance with law, tradition, or personal codes. Uh, Modrons and many wizards and monks are lawful neutral. Um, they don't necessarily go out of their way they'll they'll be kind of like oh well i'm gonna go gambling and you know try to make some money by maybe not telling a full full truth but they're still gonna essentially follow the law they're not gonna go shank somebody for money i would say this can also apply to people who have like codes and they will stick to that code by the leather by the letter and they don't care if good or bad comes out of it all they care about is the code pirates Zon. Zon, yeah. Rose. <laughs> the code is more like guidelines. More like guidelines. Uh, you've got true neutral, and this is the alignment of those who prefer to steer clear of moral questions and don't take sides, doing what seems best at the time. Druids are traditionally neutral, as are typical townsfolk. True neutral people are basically people that just want to be left alone, get on with their day. The concerns of the world as a whole are just not really their concern. Chaotic neutral, I would say, is probably the most popular uh, alignment, if also not necessarily what a player picks for their character, but it's more how they end up playing their character because uh, creatures follow their whims, holding their personal freedom above all else. Many rogues bard, and bards are chaotic neutral. You... I would say the perfect example I've ever seen of this was security cam footage of two guys robbing. Well, they weren't robbing. They were shoplifting from a uh, like 7-Eleven or something without the cashier uh, noticing. And then a guy comes in with a gun and threatens the cashier. So one of them takes their skateboard and just whacks the dude over the head and beats the crap out of him right after shoplifting. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's generally, I would say that that's generally where the Murdo Hobanus comes from. They literally just act on their whims, and you know, 
that can be a problem if you're supposedly a paladin, which I'll circle back to that. Uh, someone remind me to talk about paladins again when I'm going. We've, we've only got three got left you. here. So I got you. Uh, we've got lawful evil. Creatures methodically take what they want within the limits of a code of tradition, loyalty, or order. Devils and blue dragons are typically lawful evil. I would say that Zahn kind of fits within this. Probably. He really does whatever the fuck he wants, but he does have guidelines. Yeah, Zahn's not going to kill women and children or people who are usually unarmed unless they're really fucking asking. Right. But you're going to beat the yeah. snot out of somebody and take what you want if you don't think that they're deserving of having it. Or if I really want it. Or that. I want it more than you want it. Yeah, therefore, it's mine. Uh, you've got... Yeah, it's hers, my kidney. <laughs> well, I want yeah. three of them! <laughs> uh, you've got neutral evil, and this is the alignment of those who do whatever they can get away with without compassion or qualms. Yugoloths uh, are typically neutral evil. They, they literally just... literally do whatever they want without regard of whatever the fuck they're doing. And then, last but not least, you've got chaotic evil. These creatures That's act. What hamburger is. Yeah. Uh, these creatures act with arbitrary violence, spurred by their greed, hatred, or bloodlust. Demons and red dragons are typically chaotic evil, literally just killing because you can. Or just kind of causing chaos. Or just causing chaos. 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 They like to watch the world burn. So, speaking my two cents, as far as I understand it. Uh, paladins, I believe, are the only class where you are essentially required to take an alignment, a very specific alignment. If you are a paladin, you essentially... Well, okay, I'm not talking about Oathbreaker. I'm talking okay, about, like, a, about literal, a literal paladin. You're essentially required to be lawful good. That is, like, just the requirement of your deity to be a paladin. You follow the rules, you follow the law, you do nothing but good. And if you don't, you become an Oathbreaker. And then you can take another alignment. I, but I, I'm, I'm opening this up to the other two DMs in here if they can think of another where it's like, you are this, end of story. I, I would say that traditionally, yes. And past forms of D&D and like for people who are just very unbending in their point of view uh then yes traditionally it's like oh yeah paladins are lawful good but i think that's complete bullcrap because you have some oaths that are very much not lawful good they are very much lawful neutral each i would say paladins cannot fall outside of the lawful category but they can fall in between any of the three good neutral evil just depending on what oath they take, that is their law. That was fair. Yeah. I, I will bring peace and protect this country no matter how many women, children, and or men, women, and children I have to kill in order to make that happen. It's pretty much what I was thinking when... Yeah, if, that, if your god asks for that, then that's what you do. Yep. Yep. If because... your code... <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if your code demands certain things of you, you basically will do that because your code says to. So, I mean, there's there's been a couple of campaigns I've I've seen where they've had the paladin be a lawful evil, basically, because they're just like... they. One of the people were like, we want to end the suffering of all the children, and the way he ended some of the suffering for children is he just killed them, because he knew they yeah. would have a crappy life. 
So he just like went around slaughtering like homeless children because that it? was how. He... I'm sorry. But did they suffer after that? Well, they were dead. Yeah, that's, that was his point. Is he was he was sticking to his code, but like it it was a lawful evil thing that he did as a paladin, and he just worked it because he wanted to play an evil character, but he wanted to be a paladin, and that's just how he did it. I don't think that's evil though, because like I, I can't remember what game it is. It's like civilizations or something like that, where you like make Gandhi the leader, and you make him like full. That's an error in the it. in the code. That that, that is like, okay, Zach. You cannot tell me. That a paladin saying, well, I don't want these kids to suffer. I'm going to kill them. You cannot tell me that's not evil. Well, depends if they think the after No! If they think the afterlife is going to be a better place for them to Dude, be in. Dude, they are children. You do not fuck with dogs. You do not fuck with children. I agree that I Those are evil. Period. Dogs and children are evil? Yes. <laughs> uh, my, I know what I said. Another thing I want. Uh, I'd like on. to point out every child who ever comes to Universal an ace. And yep, I, you're right. They are. Yep. Um. So like, three oaths uh, of pal uh, that paladins take that I can think of off the top of my head. Oath of vengeance. If an oath of vengeance paladin is gun hoeing it towards their thing that is what they are taking vengeance on, and someone who may or may not be an innocent person stands in their way, be like, no, no, you shouldn't do this. Even if it is for a good reason, there's a good chance they're going to cut them down too, because they're weighing, okay, do I take the life of one innocent person in order to take out, uh, the thing that is evil that I'm going for, or do I let them go because this person is standing in my way and possibly sacrifice the life of hundreds of more people. They're going to make that away decision and they're going to cut. There's a good chance they're going to cut the innocent person down just to get to the evil thing. It's the um, trolley conundrum. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of Oath of Vengeance thing. Like, their thing is vengeance. And they will, if you get in their way, you just join the side of what they're trying to get vengeance on. If you're not uh, with me, oath, you're against me. Yeah, which very much, it's not technically evil because they're trying to do a good thing, but they just killed someone who's not technically evil either so i would say that falls within the neutral category they're sticking to the letter of the law and not caring uh what happens afterwards um yeah. there's an oath of conquest which is basically exactly what it sounds like so that kind of falls into the neutral or evil category depending on kind of which way you're swinging that and, and then there's oath of the crown you could be a stalwart person for the law, follow the law to a letter because that's what the king said, and you burnt down a village because that's what the king said. That sounds pretty evil to me. I mean, yeah, that's fair. But the king's good. Mm, didn't say that. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. He just followed the law. It's, it's, yeah, I. So just bringing it back around to uh, <clears throat> what I said before, I would say paladin always falls on lawful. Yeah, it doesn't have to be lawful good. I've changed my point of view. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of like <laughs> that was kind of like um, why I want like why it was in my opinion a good topic because I also believe in a little bit of um, fluidity mm -hmm. in in your alignment because throughout what you experience in 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 your 
in your conquest, in your in your in your campaign, your alignment can still change. Mm -hmm. um, and you are still human, Tiefling. You are a humanoid, and you know just as well as me that if someone puts a rule on you, if, for example, your god or your boss puts a rule on you, eventually there will be a point where you try to push that rule to see how far you can go without fucking it up. And that's how I can see that a paladin might not be 100% lawful even. That they just try to like see how far away from the law they can go without their god punishing them for it. It's it's the human condition. Yeah. 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 So I uh, guess like, the only I, time I, I that I would argue that. against that is like what we talked in our, I think our first episode or maybe the second episode, Lizardful. Yep. Well, they yeah. Just, they, they just seem like everyone... Yeah, they they just. I don't think a lizard. If you're playing a lizard folk properly, like how they're meant to be, will not change. They'll probably like dial it back and be like, "I probably shouldn't do this around them." But as soon as they go away, I'ma eat it. Gloves are off, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, and that I would say that falls in, but somewhere in between chaotic neutral and lawful evil, because they're kind of chaotic neutral in the way that they're following what they want, but also they make adjustments for the sake of the people they care about. Uh, but well, also... Care is a strong word. The people that they are using to their advantage. They're uh, people which, of convenience. <laughs> yeah, which then falls on the lawful evil. There's actually been a lot of precedence uh, for lawful evil characters in, uh, in media both outside and inside uh, official D&D uh, &D lore that there might be a, a lawful evil character in a group of heroes and they don't really care about saving the world or doing this good thing but they keep those people around them because they're useful and they'll help and if they help them they'll get uh, they'll get stronger they'll tag along with them and then that makes it easier to achieve their evil goal those goals might not like even that. be in direct conflict. They might just want to uh, kill a certain person that has nothing to do with the quest. They might want to just get really, really powerful so that no one can mess with them and they can do whatever the heck they want. But they'll still stick to a code or morals or whatever to make it easier mm. to use those people to their advantage. And sometimes they even get attached to them. I have a character like that. Uh, the bard that I that usually was like uh, in the tabletop simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm playing him now. He's lawful evil. He tags along with the party. His goal is to become powerful enough or rich enough to hire an army to go back home to murder his family. All right. Well, I logical. I don't see a problem with this. <clears throat> no, I'm a yeah, That's the guy like, up on the mantle, right? Yep. His, his, his intention is evil, but he follows the rules of the people around him because... That's how he gets whatever he wants. So, you know, kind of speaking on that, um, like alignment loyalty. So I, me personally, I don't, at, at least in my campaign, I'm not going to the character sheets and be like, oh, well, Zeke is lawful good. Therefore, he shouldn't have thrown a Molotov at the sheriff's office or... <laughs> You know, Venera is chaotic neutral. Why didn't she join in in the hullabaloo? I'm... Because 
people are m more, they're not one dimensional in that kind of aspect. And I understand there being a fluidity and people kind of grow and change. Um, I still, while I don't follow specifically to the alignment chart, over the, the last 30 odd episodes that we've been doing, I now f have a really good understanding of how everyone's character should be. And thankfully no one's done this yet, but if anybody like steps past those bounds to be like, is that, that's not something Pez would do. You don't know that. I mm. Like Zahn building a jail. Yeah, like <laughs> if, if Zahn ever like goes to help somebody up and be like, oh, let me pay for your broken leg. I'll be like, who are you? And what have you done with Zahn? <laughs> yeah, I, I've done that with my uh, girlfriend's druid recently. Like, I, I, I sat down with a little talk with her because normally she was chaotic neutral, of course. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but what she started doing was uh, she's um, a tree folk and it's 100% about the trees and nature. Like, 100% and everything must buckle for it. She recently started killing people to use their bodies as um, fertilizer to grow seeds. I was like, Jesus. you're turning into, like, you You follow the law of nature, but you're fucking evil, so I, I'm, I'm go we're gonna have to have a little talk about this, because you're lawful evil now. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's like, evil yeah, by maybe. definition of who is, like, again, what do you define as evil? It's evil by maybe that, like, it's... Well, technically, being good is doing what is good for the people around you, being evil is doing good for yourself. That I mean, is basically what it boils down to. So by that, so I'm going to use this as an extreme example, but by that definition, like Marvel, Thanos was good. He oh, was doing what was best for the universe. Yes. Not what was best yes. for yes. He was chaotic good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't mean he was right in what yeah. he was doing, but he was technically... In one aspect, in one avenue, he was doing the right thing. And this is why I sometimes am at odds with the movie depiction of Thanos. It's, but that's an example. Like, it's yeah. like, if you're doing something, whether or not it's good or bad for... So, okay, I'm going to give you guys an insight. Because believe it or not, I actually had a reason to burn down the prison or the jail. Do tell. Burn down authority... Because the authority that is enacted is evil. In building a new jail as a town, it puts a mentality that you are renewing what the authority of that town should be. And it should not be a corrupt system. Again, the people may not have seen the jail as, you know, being innately evil or representing something evil. But in Zahn's head, the jail represented an evil person. So destroying it so that it can later be remade would mean that the jail could stand for something that was not corrupt. So now, be honest with us. Are you saying this so that you don't get in trouble into future sessions? Or is this actually what you thought of when you're like, fire, that make building, go burn? Not in, like, when I'm like, I'm going to burn it down? No. As soon as I'm like, as soon as we were like, do we really want to do this? Is Zahn going to do this? I'm like, yeah, this is literally what went through my head. Mm. Believe it or not, don't particularly care. Mm. This is actually better. A nice way of like thinking. I mean, it's a very I mean, great way of thinking about it. 
But at the time, I would lean more towards the fact that you just wanted to burn something. I mean, Zahn likes burning things, but believe it or not, I, real I, life Zahn has a very particularly similar way of thinking. We shall see. Um, as for people having and keeping alignments, I think alignments serve two purposes, just in personal opinion. It gives a definition of how a character may or may not act so that for people who are new and are being introduced and kind of don't know how they want their character to act or how they should act or how to role play in the guise of a character, it gives them a nice little maybe a starter piece. Same thing with uh, bonds and journey. ideals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Murphy accidentally unplugged my microphone a little bit. I've been oh. trying to say something for like five minutes and it's just been like not hearing anything. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. No, you're good. Um, you're terrible. So Stop talking over us. Screw you. Um, <laughs> Atta girl. So, no so another thing I would say also is realize like your alignment can change based off where you are. Because let we were talking about like with Thanos, like depending on what the laws of a certain area are, like those laws change from place to place, but also like what the definition of good and evil in a different place changes too. So what's considered to be good in like a Yanti society is not going to be good in a general populace society. So just because you may have been like lawful good in the Yanti society, when you go into like generalized civilization, now all of a sudden you're a lawful evil. And that could also be a really interesting character dynamic when you're trying to come to terms with yourself. Like I'm not evil. I'm doing exactly what my society says I should be doing. But yeah. it's totally crazy for these other people. So just by moving from one location to another, you've totally flipped the alignment on its head. We, we literally have that with Zahn. Yep. I mean, Zahn that comes from a, a people that they raid and they pillage and they burn and they take. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 don't do that. That's not right. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're about to go into no the fucking, fucking fun. Yeah, we're <laughs> about to go into the one place that Zahn wants to burn and pillage more than anything else. <laughs> That also poses an interesting question of, do we base your alignment off of the universal good and evil, or do we base it off of the in-game non-meta good and evil per location? But that's, but that's just is You can't have a universal good or evil. Even in, even in not D&D &D terms, even if you look at our world, what is considered in like general human society what is considered good and evil just within i mean like just within like a 10 square mile radius of your house is totally different than what other people might consider good and evil like there's a lot of debates i'm not going to say which ones there are right now but literally there's a lot of debates right now that are so polarizing that if you agree one way or the other you're considered evil by the other party mm -hmm. and you're considered a saint by your party so there's no way to have a defined good or evil on every aspect of society. There's just no way to do it because ev there's going to be about 50% of the society that's going to well, disagree with you. Let, let's just Say, remember that this is a game and the I know. general normal people way of thinking, and I do not regret saying normal people way of thinking, you know what's <laughs> good and you know what's bad. Yeah, okay, let, let, I know what's good and bad. Now, People I understand that this is a big I'm thing insane. going on in the world, but let's let's do try to keep this a little bit 
more centered around D&D and not bring real world politics into things because... Well, that's why I was being very generalized on that. I, I, I know, but, but you know how the internet is. You even hint at it oh, and yeah. someone's going to get offended because they think you're targeting them. So let, let's um, keep it... Gotcha. Let's talk about lizard folk. Let's talk about Yuan-Ti and which races suck inside of a game so that no one can get pissed off. Okay. So, like, we talked about Yuan-Ti, we talked about lizard folk, but even, like, the gnolls, like... Critical null. The weak... Critical null. Sorry. Right? Um, but, like, the gnolls, like, if you have a weak baby, you eat your baby, or you feed it to another. Like, basically, like, yeah. hyena society. Like, yep. that yeah. is considered totally normal. Yes. It's and for the betterment of the species. It's for the betterment of the species. That is considered a good and noble act by a mother having to sacrifice that to make sure their population is healthy and secure. Every, like, probably about, I'm going to say 75% of the other species would look at that and be like, that is the most evil thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So proud. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then, yes, yes, in the grand scheme of things, I would say that the alignment chart is meant to be looked at in the sense of a quote-unquote normal, civilized country. So while, yes, if you say that you are a null, your alignment, I would say as the DM, in my own opinion, your alignment is going to be best on the like global average of the world. So if the world is covered in normal civilizations where killing bad, stealing bad, helping needy good, then yes, technically that null would probably be like chaotic neutral or potentially neutral evil probably more chaotic neutral because you know they're not doing it to be bad they're doing it for the betterment of their species but still kind of not good therefore neutral the, the thing is that how i see the alignments it's not so much how society sees you it's how you see yourself fair like if you do it out of spite then it's evil you know? Yeah. If you, if you do it because you want it, then it's evil. But for me, as a DM, um, I mostly look at the lawful, neutral, chaotic side of things. Um, because good and evil are more subjective. And I ask them for my players when we make their characters, and I explain to them as good as I can what it is. Um, just so that I have a general idea what kind of character they will be, so I can base the start of my campaign on that. And then for the rest, it's it's as fluid as heck, man. Yeah. Uh, I would disagree yeah. on the point of you might not... you Of your alignment based on what you think of yourself, because there are plenty of villains in uh, stories that think they're doing the right thing, and they are definitely evil. Yeah. Well, I I don't know that he meant like what you actually think of yourself. It's I, I and Martyr, correct me if I'm wrong. He's more saying that if you were doing this for a selfish reason, then that's probably evil. If you were doing it for other people, that's good. Am I am I right yeah. in that? Yeah. Yeah, that's technically okay. what the what good and evil stand for in the alignments. Is good is if you do it for others, evil is selfish. That's that's pretty much what it stands for, the good and evil. Yeah. As far as I read it. 
I would say that kind of falls apart at the uh, chaotic neutral because chaotic neutral is supposed to be like the epitome of I'm out for myself, but that's just me. Also true. Um, Alignments are a very complicated thing. Yes, <laughs> very is. controversial too. Which, um, which is why that, I, like Zeke was saying, they are great like kickoff roleplay ideas. Yeah. But I'm mainly looking at it like, is this something, 20 sessions in, is this something that Brick would do? Is this really something that Brick would do? Or Yeah, is yeah. this something you do? Stupid. Well, I, the toaster was the first thing that I looked at. <laughs> like, a in death, Bob. So now, Brick can technically, I can let Brick get away with a lot of shit because... It's Brick. He's brand new to the world. He has Zahn for a fucking father. But, like, if Rhaenyra were to come up and say, well, I'm going to go into this house and I'm just going to guiding bolt this civilian, I'm going to be like, no, you wouldn't. Like, that's not what Rhaenyra does. So, please... Very pure. Yeah, please, uh, please tell me why you have this train of thought. Now, if she were to say that, you know, because Zahn did something stupid... I'm going to hit him with the Toll of the Dead. It's like, that sounds like Venera. Yeah, something Z- Venera will, <laughs> Zahn will turn around and turn Venera into a pile of blood. And that sounds like <laughs> Zahn. But if Zahn were to be like, oh, Master, I'm so sorry. Here's 10 silver for... It's like, mm, that's not Zahn. <laughs> but yeah. I would say... Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had another point earlier I never got to, but I was just going to say another good thing about alignments, and this is a very very specific circumstance uh is there are certain spells items effects True. that occur in what no no i i see where you're going with this and you're absolutely right uh that affect where your alignment falls or might change it or might do a number of things to your character that having that alignment is a good indicator of what that spell item or effect should do so should you have an alignment um and stick rigorous rigorously to it no it's a good kicking off point and you should always have a vague idea of where you fall in the chart it doesn't have to be a like specific but vague maybe this maybe that kind of idea so if those things do come up if your dm does want to put those into play you have a vague idea of where you will land next based on what effect it has well, there's also weapons and gear out there that you can only use if you are a specific alignment. Also correct. And it's up to the DM's discretion if they think they will that will be a good fit in their campaign. I mean, I have a few of them. Yeah. Most DM Yeah, I had I I've, I've thought about throwing a few in myself later down the line that we never got to. Um <laughs> Um I used one as well at some point. Yeah, but it's that is actually a very fun tool for a DM to use. Either one that depends on whether or not you can use it, or one that completely changes your character. And that's fun for the player to play with if they're on board for it, because they get to role play an entirely different set of personality traits. Yeah, you picked up a cursed weapon, and suddenly you're lawful evil. I mean, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, yeah, I, I, I had know... one a sword that you can only pick up if you are evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's a there's a 
card in the deck of many things that changes your alignment. There's, I think there's a spell that changes your alignment, if only temporarily. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, there, there is multiple items that uh, both in canon and sources you could find all over the internet that depend on alignment to use or failure to use. And technically the DM is perfectly within their right to ignore those rules, a.k.a. Venera, a cleric using a druid-only staff, because I'm retarded. Oh, man. <laughs> the day that somebody makes Zahn turn into a goody-two-shoes is the day that when he's not a goody-two-shoes anymore, a pile of blood will be the best thing Zahn can turn you into. <laughs> uh, where's my pen? <laughs> it's just Zach sitting there and be like, is that something good Zahn would do? No, it's not. I help the man back up. It's like, and then all of a sudden, spell wears off. So you, you, you remember that jug of many things? Oh, God. Be careful. All I'm going to say is, like I said, somebody makes Zahn do something he don't want to do. You're going to be a pile of blood at best. If anything, Zahn is going to make Zahn not want to do what Zahn wants to do. Yeah, you can't tell me what to do, DM. Fuck you. But, like... In in the end, I think that alignment falls under the same category as a lot of rules in like in Dungeons and Dragons. Is it's more guidelines? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's it's kickoff points. Whatever boys. you want. Yeah. Yep. Now I will say that, and I know I've mentioned it before, but that was one thing that really really frustrated me when I was first attempting to learn how to be a DM is I absolutely hated hearing that. It's do what you want. It's your world. It's your campaign. It's like no. I need to know the rules. I need to know the rules so I can break them. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, but yeah, that's was, why they are there. Yes. <clears throat> Sorry. So you can learn them, and only if you know them, you can know how to break them correctly. Yeah. Right. I, I find it funny that you would bring up that turn of phrase, Ian, because that is a very uh, prevalent uh, turn of phrase in the kind of uh, realms that we work in as far as like video and entertainment. Oh, you for have sure. to know the rules before you can break them. My my favorite thing as we are scrambling to get something to work on set is fake it till you make it. I was like, this is how it should work, but we're going to try this to kind of bend or break the rule because I know how it should work, so we're going to try something different. We, we literally took the frame of a silk, we took the silk off, and we wrapped gaff tape multiple times around the one axis, the one like up and down, and then the left and right, just to cast a window-type shadow on a psych wall. Mm -hmm. Literally fake it till you make it. <laughs> anyway. I think we've pretty much beaten alignment into the dirt. Which they're is fun. They're great guidelines. <laughs> Be careful with how you want to enforce them. Make sure that your players know how you want to enforce them. If you're really going to enforce them that hard. The prime example that I can think of that is Keyleth. I absolutely hate Keyleth as, as a character, and it's only because her player, Keyleth is from campaign, uh, Critical Role Campaign 1. She's very, very flip-floppy in how her character reacts. One moment, she'll be very timid and very nervous. The next minute, she's very flirty and trying to get away with things. And the next minute, she's like, super smart and elegant and knowledgeable of the world. And then she's immediately back to being naive about things. Like you got to pick a lane. Like I, 
as and myself if, being a DM, I would not allow that. It's like, no, you need to pick how your character is. If you are naive to the world, you do not walk into a kingdom and start waxing poetic about how they should run a kingdom if you are naive to the world. I, I want to point out, for those of us who have seen uh, the Amazon series that they made, The Legends of Vox Machina, you can... Uh, and I think they even talked about this uh, uh, in some behind-the-scenes stuff. You can tell that the, the director worked very hard to keep her in the one lane. Yes, the, the show itself did what should have been done with the campaign. She was young and naive to the world and very hopeful, doe-eyed, and... And all knowledgeable that. about some things that she should be knowledgeable about. Yes. Yeah. And I, I hate to say it, but sometimes I'm listening to that podcast in the car and I'm glad my windows are up because you just hear me yelling, shut the fuck up, Keyleth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So. Uh, so basically like Zeke mm -hmm. is every time she gets brought up. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Again, in the show, fantastic character. Love her. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I, I am quite familiar without having to look where my skip forward button is because of... <laughs> anyway. Uh, closing remarks on alignment. Use in moderation. Okay. Uh, so, we have two more topics left. Uh, Nim, would you like to talk about Tiamat for a bit? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Nim what is are the your one notes? Uh, I didn't take that many notes. Um, I looked up quite a bit about her. Uh, she's very interesting. She's, of course, an ancient dragon. Uh, she started out not as a deity, tried to become part of the Faerun pantheon. Kind of did, kind of didn't. She has a consort for every other... She's the, basically the deity for all the chromatic dragons. Her mm -hmm. counterpart is Bahamut, and he is the deity for the metallic dragons. Bahamut and the metallic dragons are considered good, and Tiamat and the chromatic are considered evil, because they literally just do whatever the fuck they want. They subjugate people, they kill because they can. Um, yeah, good people. Tiamat is essentially a red dragon with four other heads attached to her, one for each of the different uh, chromatic races. They all can act independently of each other. They have their own elemental attacks. She has a stinger on her tail that causes agonizing death. Uh, and of course, like she's, a she's a, just a fucking gem. I like her already. But uh, that's kind of where I stopped paying attention because it started like, very briefly talking about different realms and, like, Ziggoraxis, the Nine Hells, Cave of Greed, and all these other yeah. deities, and it's just my head was starting to hurt. So I, I did my best to just find the basicness of her, as shitty as that kind of sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got yeah, most of it. Tiamat's backstory, you could you could make a campaign out of it. And it's Tiamat and the quest for godhood. Mm -hmm. But I think in general D&D &D lore, she's still stuck somewhere in the Nine Hells. Yes, that, that is the most... Furnace. That is the last thing that I remember reading, is that uh, she is still trying... Her most recent endeavor is to escape the Nine Hells. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's technically a god, technically not. I think there is one realm, uh, which is where she quote unquote originates from in D and D lore, where she was a god along with Bahamut. Um, Bahamut. But she got trapped in the Nine Hells. But she got then trapped in the Nine Hells when she came to Faerun. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. She's chaotic evil. She has a she's a dragon with a bunch of heads. She rules over Avernus, which is, I believe, the first layer of Nine Hells. She's great. Uh, the god of the kobolds, Kurtulmak, was also her servant. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all that this wiki page touches on that. Um, oh, hold on. I would like to... Sorry. Uh, many evil dragons have worshipped Tiamat since their species first appeared on Toril, and kobolds believed she was their creator. And although they didn't worship her as a god, they revered her as their creator. That is now officially all that they say about the kobolds. <laughs> She's just a, a big kobold with five heads. She a big bitch. That's what I believe in. <laughs> um, I will say, as a side note, this is outside of D&D, but Tiamat's actually based off of a uh, real Mesopotamian goddess who was a primordial of the sea from which in actual Mesopotamian mythology, what uh, she was the mother of all dragons, which is pretty accurate. Uh, well, not accurate, but like they kept kind of the theme when they brought it over to D and D. Yeah. And that was in my notes. So I'm going to mark that off. <laughs> oh, sorry. <bud. laughs> He's okay. Well, also they just, dragons released a whole new miniature collection with her on it <clears throat> and it is freaking glorious it is a phenomenal looking model they have ones that no, are painted no. and, they <laughs> and they're gorgeous well maybe you gotta you gotta speak up man it's okay <laughs> so so here let me help this out all of you shut the hell up <laughs> talking about shit and wants to talk about draftles still love you though Oh, y'all already pretty much you. talked to her. Talked about her. But, yeah. She's awesome. She has a church. And she a also church. goes all the way back to first edition D&D. Mm-hmm. She was one of the uh, big ones. Wasn't she in the opening of the D&D show? Yes. I believe so. Yeah. Originally, like in like first edition, she was like an arch devil. <clears throat> yes, like... her power level is arch devil. Is what I'm looking at here. So was she and... in that? Because there was like the OG D and D, which is like a pamphlet, and then they actually released the books for advance. So was she in like what was it, the Gods and Monsters book? Yes. Yep. Interesting fact: first edition, she was lawful evil. <laughs> Second she edition, lawful, lawful evil. Third edition, lawful evil. Fourth edition, evil. Fifth edition, lawful evil and chaotic evil. So. Which follows her own law. Yeah. You you can get past her into further depths of hell if you appease her or defeat her. But you can get into her heart. Both by a knife and by like. I was gonna say like like fucking or things. what are we talking? Like about? Is it with you, violence? You can, it's with violence. Don't, don't give guys ideas. <laughs> hey, hey guys, when we're done with Kasumi's thing, can we go to the nine hells? 
Listen. It's like <laughs> this just shows up with cookies, and he's like, I love you. Here is cookies from my heart. All I'm going to say to this is you give Zon the opportunity to uh, seduce a very sexy god. Oh, he's going to take that shit up so fucking quick. Okay. <laughs> I, just I have need to, to go to the hell I received a booty call. <laughs> I just have to put this out there. Zon and Pez and the quest for the Dommy Mommy. <laughs> if there's ever a time when there's a bunch of people that can't make it to the campaign and we still want to stream, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so what like is Pez gonna DM like a little DM D&D campaign and our D&D campaign I'd be down that'd be really funny that'd be adorable so for the record <laughs> uh, Tiamat is a gargantuan fiend as as 5th edition uh, chaotic evil her armor class is 25 on average she has 615 hit points she has 60 feet of movement and 120 feet of flying. Mm. Her strength stat is 30. Mm. Her dex is 10. Her constitution is 30. Mm. Her intelligence is 26. Her wisdom is 26. And her charisma is 28. She mm. has a 10, 0, 10, 8, 8, 9 modifiers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Stop. I can only be so right. Her saving throws. <laughs> She you has a strength saving throw of plus 19. Oh, yes. Keep going. A deck saving throw of plus 9 and a wisdom saving oh. of plus 17. You don't need to so worry about her. She already brought her own protection. She is immune to acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Zon can't kill her. I'm sold. Give it to me. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? Oh wait, no, wait, she's not immune anymore. <laughs> what was her elemental immunities? Uh, damage immunities are acid, cold, fire, lightning, and poison. <laughs> which, would still which, be for Zon, her, but... which for Zon, which for Zon, he takes her from lightning Immune immunity to, to lightning resistance. Yeah. So she oh, would take goodness. half damage from him. Like your like your best options when dealing with that is like. <clears throat> uh, Necrotic and uh, oh, what's the necrotic other radiant begging. radiant thing? Uh, begging or force? Yeah. I'm sorry. What was that, Becca? Begging. I said begging. <laughs> A lot of begging. Uh, she has dark vision up to 240 feet and true sight up to 120 feet. Her passive oh perception is 36. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think Kasumi is the only one that could sell from this bitch. It barely. Um, yeah, because like she is glorious. True sight, I can see everything. Well, now true sight allows you to see invisible creatures and objects. She could still stealth and hide. True. It'd be very, it's, very that's, difficult. That's not right? just begging. That's begging followed by a pegging. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. What is it like? That's like Jurassic World levels of when the fucking. Uh, what is it? Then Dominus gets out and the guy's just hiding behind the truck. He's like, you can't see me, you can't see me. Oh, you gonna be dinner, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna gobble you up. I, I would go through some of her, like, spells and actions, but I, no. I'm, I'm gonna leave that as a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Another fun <laughs> fact about Tiamat is she was voiced by Frank Welker, who was the voice of Scooby-Doo in Megatron. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Right, Bahamut. I am Tiamatron. <laughs> oh my god. A Mecha Tiamat. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, Nim, anything else that you wanted to cover with your um, wet dream? No, I mean, pretty much all of you already covered what I was going to talk about, so. Oh, sorry. I feel I mean, like the okay. vibes Pez and, and Zahn are going to give off are like, crush me mommy, but in, like, two totally different ways. Isa, <laughs> if you're listening, can we get fan art of, like, Pez in a room with a Tiamat poster, little hearts over his head, hand, <laughs> head, chin in his hands, feet kicking, tail just, you know, waggling back and forth. <laughs> I can try. No, I was going to say Zon in, in the Spider-Man costume in the closet looking at it. <laughs> I just want like a picture of Tiamat like looking down at these two little tiny Pez and Zon as they're just looking up at her like, oh God, what oh, have we done? No, what would no, be this, even this better, a... giant Tiamat Pez, teeny tiny, holding up a plate of cookies. Exactly. You can put a little text on it. Mommy, sorry. Mommy, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, shall we move on from the horn dogs? No, I have to do, do have one more. To. I have yeah. to do one more. Okay, it's, one more. You know, like, where the girl goes and says, um, Daddy to Megatron, he's like, you have issues I like. <laughs> just like, you just call Pez. me Daddy. You have issues I like. That one. Oh just God. have, like, Pez standing there with little hearts in his eyes and Tiamat just being like, oh, no, I like this one. <laughs> 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 All right, um. <laughs> moving on. Uh, so I guess I'm going to kind of open up this next topic to kind of be a, a little bit of a Q&A. Um, so it's about the gods of Archeron and how they came to be in essentially how I kind of came up with them. So there is one option. I actually kind of forgot to ask her about this, but I did write what is basically like a little miniature book for Venera when they were in the buried city. Um, much like I did with brick when I came up with the lore of how teleportation circles worked, she asked for the, the lore of the gods. So I wrote a fair bit about them. Um, it's not anything spoilery. It's essentially like how the people believe it, it's origin story, basically. So I'm on the fence of if I should just read that out to you guys because I'm actually kind of proud of it. But at the same time, like it's Venera's book and she hasn't really shared it with anyone yet. So I also kind of don't want to give away spoilers. And I forgot to ask her about it if she was okay with me talking about it or not. I say no spoilers. Okay. I second that. Uh, so... Uh, with that being said, I shall close this page because I'm not going to read the stuff from it. Uh, I did, let's see, it was, it's about five pages worth of shit. Once, once <laughs> yeah. you get clearing, oh, please do for me at least. 
<laughs> the rest doesn't want to hear it. Uh, actually, let me message her real quick. Um, do I have Post permission to talk about the contents of the God's book I wrote for you? I find it incredibly in interesting. Whiskey Wednesdays. Or do you want to keep it secret? Keep it safe. Uh, so while I'm waiting for her to potentially reply to that, um, any questions that you guys have that I can theoretically answer? Tell me about Coyote. Oh, good. She says go ahead. Um, so uh, I can read it word for word if you guys want, or I can just kind of do... Um, Ian flavor on it like give us the stuff that would like this is literally like Ian flavored like this is I wrote this <laughs> I mean yeah. obviously specific like absolutely everything being specific is one thing but like give us the idea of it but not like absolutely everything so we can still leave something up to imagination does that make sense well so this isn't necessarily going to be specifics about the deities and like anything kind of spoilery this is literally like you are a child and this is what your parents tell you how the world came to be and how the gods came to be. Do it. Uh, so, since Pez asked first, we'll hit up Coyote to start out. Yay. Coyote. Legends say that the Untamed West was once a flat, barren wasteland, with the only features being a few larger rocks jutting up out of the sands. Coyote, a restless spirit, came to the vast sandbox and began to play. He ran to and fro, creating valleys with the paths that he took. He created the dune seas when he rolled around in the sand to scratch his back. The, o <laughs> the oasis came to be when he dug deep to look for water. The plateau to the south was made with all of the dirt he dug up while searching for the water. The misty peaks were made so that Coyote could scratch his back without having to go all the way to the Dragonfire Mountains. Coyote learned of Nefeli's ability to create life and attempted to do the same so that her creations did not have to travel quite so far to inhabit his desert realm. The two became close over the millennia, creating new creatures to show off to one another and eventually being referred to as sibling deities. Oh, so much. Basically, everything was created because he was slightly bored in life and just wanted things to be easier for himself. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Like almost every god. Pretty much. It's like, oh man, I'm Fair. tired of being here in the endless void of nothingness. Well, bam! Universe. Ooh, I peeked the shit out of my microphone there. Sorry, stream. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. It's fine. Uh, so... Moving on to Kadal. Okay. Sounds Bring it on. So Kadal, for any who don't know, is the god of the knightly kingdoms. So you'll probably learn quite a bit about him coming up here soon. Um, nah. nah. Uh, Kadal is rumored to have always been. He certainly appears older than the other deities, and the other ten seem to see him as an authority of sorts. The legends of his ability to see into the future seem to come from his ancient existence. To quote, History has patterns, and thus repeats itself. If one can see these patterns, the future can be reliably predicted. 
Kadal has simply seen enough to understand these patterns better than anyone else could ever hope to achieve. End quote. Historian Clovis. Uh... Okay, no, never mind. Kadal has been known to visit the other realms, but his own territory lies within the knightly kingdoms. Compared to the other gods, Kadal does not seem to interfere more than to give his advice to those who most need it. He has not been known to settle squabbles or stop wars. Legends tell of the storms that raged overhead when his vice is ignored by those whom he specifically seeks out to give counsel. It is for this reason that the region is said to be so green with the rains that so regularly fall year-round. So that's Kadal. Basically the dad of the group. Yeah, when you said dad of the group, like, I had a thought. Do you want to, ra- like, go through it, through them first, or can I ask? No, no, no go, for, go for it. Um, is there an, like, over-deity? Like, how can you say, like, an original? Um... Or is that something that will be answered maybe or maybe not at some point it is a question i do not have an answer to okay he didn't come up with it in his cheese dream (laughs) the cheese dream can only do so much (laughs) you need more cheese i need more cheese uh well as vague as that answer was um i am still happy with it okay (laughs) Uh, then let us move on to Bowler. Bowler is the god of the dwarves. Regarded far and wide as the most jovial and even-tempered of the gods, Bowler is rumored to have had a hand in every major invention that mortals create, whether it's a design tweak here or a sudden bout of inspiration to make that final piece click into place. Nestled deep within the Dragonfire Mountains, Bowler drinks and celebrates with his dwarven children, as they complete yet another day of hard work within their massive forge city. Though Bowler shows preference to his dwarven people, he welcomes any that hold a creative spark in their heart with open arms and a cask of ale. It is this love of creativity that Bowler aims to protect and nurture, and why his people have hidden themselves safely away in the icy mountaintops away from lands that might be highly sought after. Legends say that it took Bowler less than a day to carve Bear, uh, sorry, to carve Bearbledore out of the largest mountain he could find. The next day is said to have been spent carving the first of his dwarven children from the stones that fell during the creation of the mountain city. That's Bowler. Pretty good. Pretty tips. The day after that, he gave Brick Nightmares. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he took it again. <laughs> so moving on to Pez's most favorite deity of all, Gambors. Uh, uh, oh, I thought it was bacon. No, Gambors. <laughs> <laughs> we do love bacon. Listen, no one more than me. <clears throat> Gambors is easily the most violent of the gods. Violent, but not evil. Gambors is eternally searching for the next challenge to test his strength. The colossal orc towers over even the largest terrestrial lizard. 
Legends say that Gambors rose from the earth after eons of creatures died within the grasping tar. Their primal, instinctual rage fueled his very being. His rage was such that the very heat radiating from his body was enough to scorch the land around him. Coyote hurriedly threw sand from his domain at the raging beast to dampen the blaze. The sand crystallized, melted, and reformed into glittering mountains. The beauty enraged Gambors further, and with a bellowing roar he hurled dirt, mud, and tar at this scar upon his beautiful wasteland. The crystal mountains were covered until Gambors no longer had to see the beauty he'd accidentally helped create. The two gods continue the, to quarrel to this day, Coyote pranking and annoying Gambors at every turn, and Gambors beating Coyote into a bloody pulp in retaliation. Gambors has killed Coyote thousands of times over the eons, the only proof so far that the gods are truly immortal. One particular prank caused Gambors to lose one of his eyes. The rage that filled him is said to have shook the world. Gambors pounded Coyote to death as he had done before, but his rage could not be quelled so easily this time. He continued to pound the ground for days where Coyote had perished. His repeated strikes split the ground and sent the pieces out into the sea to create the Broken Isles. Gambors has been known to kill any who ask of his eye. Coyote gives a hearty chuckle when asked, but also seems loath to tell the tale. Thus, we may never know exactly how the colossal orc became known as Gambor's One-Eye. It's kind of rude that people are coughing. Yeah, it's really hard to see eye-to-eye -eye with him. <laughs> what were you saying, Becca? <laughs> I was like, it's kind of rude to call him after his, like, no matter he's pissed, you're calling him One-Eye after, like, he lost an eye to some dick who pulled a prank. And it's like, every time someone refers to him, they remind him of the fact that his asshole friend made him lose an eye. Like, that's just kind of rude. No wonder he's so fucking upset all the time. Bold of you to assume that Coyote was ever his friend. <laughs> I was just, you know what I mean. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that TikTok where, like, they go and they talk to Hook and they're like, is that what they call me? And he's like, my name is Steven. Why would you call me Hook? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I, I bet it's Coyote that spread the spread the name. Oh yeah, heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny these accusations. <laughs> quickly, quickly writes down. <laughs> Alrighty, so moving on to Valkyrie. Yeah. <sighs> Valkyrie is said to have been born from the heart of an avalanche. Amidst the crushing chaos of sliding snow down the face of the largest mountains, her wings carried her out of the roiling snow. The beating of her wings created a mighty blizzard that continues to this day. Her most fervent followers wandered through the mighty winds of her first flight far to the north. A giant of a woman... Her instincts drew her immediately to the strongest at the time, Gambors. With a smile on each of their faces, the two brawled for a week straight, night and day with no rest, neither able to gain the upper hand. Their punches created shockwaves, their kicks felling trees across the world. 
Valkyrie picked up the giant orc, carrying him across the oceans to slam him into the ground, splintering the earth and raising the mountains that split continents. Exhausted, the pair lay there in the snow where Valkyrie first emerged, chests heaving, bloody smiles, and the occasional half-hearted punch or kick thrown at the other. Legends tell us that it was Bowler who finally convinced the pair to limit the fighting to once a year so as not to disturb his work quite so much. To settle their truce, Bowler agreed to supply both a cask of his finest ale if they both agreed to his request. Neither Valkyrie nor Gambors held any animosity towards each other. They were both simply ecstatic to have a worthy foe. But the allure of, Bo of Bowler's ale was enough to quell their urges and both returned to their realms until it was time to test their strength again to see who had become the strongest over the past year. Hmm. The creation of the world must have been a really, really bad time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you got, a, you got a big-ass dog digging in your sand. You got an orc and a winged Valkyrie fucking slamming down and kicking up mountains everywhere. Oh. Yeah, it's probably pretty shit. Oh, but that does. Like, once a year they meet up again to test their metal. Yes, right? you might. Yes. Oh, that still has to happen. <laughs> all right mm. uh moving on to seto seto is said to have once been the very sea itself long had she slumbered her pleasant dreams causing the change in tides her nightmares creating storms that struck the land it was the clash between gambors and valkyrie as they soared over her calm waves that finally roused her from her sleep. Irate at being woken from her millennia of sleep, Seto willed herself into being, creating a form that would allow her to verbally berate those above her waves and allow her to, to traverse her realm with ease to later find a quiet place to resume her rest. Seto became the first siren, a mermaid of the deep. Yelling and screaming, sending storms and hail at the brawling pair, her rage and pleas went unheard. Furious, Seto dove into the crushing depths to try and find a quiet place to rest once again. She swore that any who would try to traverse her waters and rouse her once more would pay dearly. Legends say that the first men to try and sail across her domain were dragged into the crushing depths without pity. After hundreds of years, sorry, after a hundred years of pleading with Seto, a deal was finally struck when the vain siren noticed the glittering gold around the neck of one such sailor. Payment of gold or precious jewels would ensure a safe journey across Seto's domain. Thus became the, the tradition of throwing coin over the side of a ship about to set sail. Payment to appease the siren goddess and ensure safe passage. What I'm hearing is Zahn is fucked. <clears throat> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I think I mean, Zahn's Zahn been can doing respect this another god. forever, so. so. Zahn can respect other gods. 
Yeah, I was just mostly like, she seems like she would hold a grudge against the, not only the father, but the child. And in this case, the mother. I mean. Yeah. yeah the, the, you well, know Zong. I was going to say, bold assumption that she knows about Zong. That's true. Fair, fair. <clears throat> so, Thalia. Thalia is said to have once been twins that became one within the womb. One was calm and creative, the other aggressive and strategic. They were born as one, but with two sides as if with a coin. The coin is constantly being flipped. While one side is in control, the coin is being flipped, and eventually it must land on a side. Both are in harmony with each other, and willingly relinquish control when it is the other's turn. The poet brings beauty and culture to Thalia's realm with art, music, literature, food, and drink. The warrior defends the realm and helps quell the violent nature of mortals by providing them an arena to vent their instinctual bloodlust upon each other. It is this healthy balance that Thalia perpetually lives within. bit shorter on the lore for her. Awesome, A very nice uh, mix between Greek and Roman <clears throat> and other Mediterranean cultures. Mm-hmm. It's pretty proud of it. I get Picasso. You like it, Picasso? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really like it. Uh, so, Nefeli. There is little known of the god living in the mists. The few who have been graced by her presence say that she is an indescribable beauty. Not with lust, but a beautiful vista where one can sit and admire for a lifetime in calm serenity. She is sometimes referred to as the mother of all creatures, and is said to have sculpted the beasts of the world from the very land itself. As Bowler sculpted his children from the mountain stone, Nefeli is said to have used the wood from trees, stone from the ground, water from the rivers, and even the very air. She gave the elements form and sent them out into the world to fill even the most desolate corners with life. Legends say that her home in the Misty Pass was once free to traverse, with sights that would make even the hardest of men weep. It wasn't until she witnessed the cruelty of mortals within her own realm that she close off her domain, hiding it within the perpetual mists of today. And that's that's the elven god, right? No, that is Aaron, oh. who we will be touching on next. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything on Nefeli before I scooch on? So there's no... She sounds really cool. I actually really like the sound of her. Yeah. yeah, she's more like a so just the kind of she's more like the god of the fae ish kind of people. She's not really a a god over any mortal people. More or less, yeah. She definitely Rumbles. prefers uh, creatures and beasts to humanoids. Interesting. Do you rather play with the beasties than deal with the people? Mm -hmm. That's actually a very understandable way of thinking. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, Aaron. 
the god of the elves. When the twin moons were both at their fullest, their light spilled through the canopy of trees and formed the god known as Aaron. The pale deity roamed the forest where she'd come into being and found that she was lonely. The loneliness grew when the light that birthed her became dark as the moons waned in their cycle. Nepheli heard the elf god crying in the forest and took pity on her. During the next full moons, she created creatures of pure moonlight to keep Aaron company during those long, dark nights. Aaron loved the creatures dearly and vowed to protect them with her very being, but there was still something missing. She had no one to speak to. Nepheli was pleasant company, but she was often distracted with her own tasks of creating the beasts of the world. Silently, Aaron watched and learned her tricks. During the twin full moons, Aaron gathered the light of the moons to create a people in her own image. The next dawn saw the birth of the elves. Aaron was overjoyed to have people to speak to and teach the ways of the forest. Travel within her realm was free and open until her oldest friend was slighted by mortals and closed off her realm. Fearing that her people would be likewise, would be likewise harmed, Aaron crafted a bow from the limb of the oldest tree, the string given willingly from the first unicorn that Nepheli created for Aaron, her oldest friend. Yeah. Bow in hand, Aaron patrols her borders to keep her people safe, only allowing those of her kin to enter. If she deems their heart pure and their minds trustworthy, an outsider may, rarely, be granted passage to the grand elven city of Alari Dorai. Definitely sounds elvish. And down, kids. <laughs> Damn. There's, there's a lot of, like, I I like how the gods still have very human emotions and ways of thinking. Yep. Protect your family, man. Family's most important. Family. 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 Who needs oxygen when you have family? <laughs> There's no oxygen on Mars, Rocky. <laughs> There's no oxygen no for you, Nita. <laughs> uh, so, that brings us, last but not least, to Shenshe uh, and Tlazo Coatl. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> to speak of one is to speak of the other. Widely known as the Dragon Lovers, Shenshe and Tlazokuatl rule over neighboring realms. Legends tell of a colossal mountain whose peak once pierced into the inky blackness of the night, brought up from the earth during the week-long battle between Gambors and Valkyrie. It was a raging storm sent by Seto that brought the mighty mountain down. The winds from Seto's hurricane were strong enough to split the mountain in two as it rocked to and fro. The spirit within the mountains, within the mountain, was torn apart and was forced to become two. <clears throat> as the mighty peak crumbled, the flesh of the mountain formed around the sundered spirit, becoming two mighty serpents. Tlazokuato was enraged at being awoken in such a violent manner by the siren storm and attacked its heart out into the sea. 
I wrote that weird. With sweeping motions of his long body, Tlazoquatl caused mighty pillars of stone to erupt from the ocean floor, to pierce the hurricane's roiling clouds, and disrupted the flow of air, and eventually dispersing the rotating winds, killing the storm. Thus, the Tepetl Mountains were made. Shenshe, seeing her other half taken to the sea, soared over the land to stop the raging storms and their cyclone winds. As Tlazoquatl raised pillars of stone, Shenshe summoned colossal trees from the very earth. Their trunks were thick and refused to bow to the raging winds. Their branches stretched out hundreds of feet so their leaves could absorb the harsh winds and slow the storm's movement. As Shenshe summoned forth more of the giant trees, the wind lost its momentum. The storm created by the angered Seto was eaten by the tops of the colossal trees. Their work completed, the pair joined together once again at the top of what remained of their once mighty peak. Though they could no longer become one in the literal sense, they swore to forever be as one and protect their realms together. Oh. Aww. Isn't that... <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so what it should have said was um, Talaza Kawato was enraged at being awoken in such a violent manner and attacked the storm's heart out in the sea. Interesting. Oh, we have two sleeping gods, so to say. They were once one and became two. And they became one again through other things. Ah, they fucked. Pouching a bow wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the, the first siren is uh, technically a sleeping god. And. Yep. How do you say it again? Quaxuquatl? Uh, Tlazo Coatl. Tlazo Coatl is technically also semi-sleeping deity. Plaza Coatl and Shenshe were also sleeping deities, and they were torn apart when their mountain was broken. Mm. So yeah, that's all the gods. And that's uh, the lore of how they came to be. Cool. Neat. Yeah. This technically means that um, Brick and Kasumi have a cultural uh, connection. Nah. Mm, technically speaking, yes. Technically nah. Speaking. No, you don't think so? Nah. Why not? It's okay. It's okay, Zan. She just likes me better. I don't give a shit. <laughs> mm, that sounds like someone who gives a shit. <laughs> oh no, no! I meant for the gods' sake. I can give a shit. Uh huh. Like how uh -huh. Sam thinks uh, Valkyrie is pretty much better than all the other gods, kind of thing. I mean, that I is his mom. I would hope so. I mean, she mom. she's obviously she's obviously better than everyone else already. But I mean, you know, <laughs> everyone has to know this. I mean, my mom is the best mom. <laughs> she has like yeah. one of those mugs. <laughs> My mom made me fucking cookies. Oh, number one mom. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know who else is a really strong god? My mom. <laughs> My mom. <laughs> I could just like imagine Valkyrie just standing there in like the sunglasses with like the wino 
shirt, like wine of a mom shirt, and have him sawn on one of those like retractable child leashes as he's oh, trying to like. He would absolutely have a full body <laughs> harness leash. Like just like lightning. going bad shit <laughs> and, and just being like but her just like sitting there like drinking wine or vodka out of like a bottle yeah. and like him was... losing his shit and trying to stab another child at like Why not both? That'd be hilarious. I was thinking <laughs> I saw her with a bottle of wine in her hands as well. <laughs> I like I how know. we both imagined her as wino mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, any other questions you guys might have about the, the deities? How do we read the dang book? <laughs> Which book? The, the book that we can't read. What book? Never mind. Okay. I, I didn't actually expect you to give me an answer. Wait, what book are we talking about? Uh, the one we can't read. The one of the, uh, Veneera's book. I don't know what book you're talking about. Yeah, the, okay, the so he's purposely being a dick. Okay. <laughs> At first but, I was like, maybe he doesn't know because he's got a lot of things on his mind, and then I'm like, no, he's he's dick. <laughs> so I, I do want to say um, <clears throat> a lot of the lore and a lot of my ideas has actually come from my players. So what I just spent the last... Pfft, fucking 30 minutes reading I didn't have written originally it was only when Venera said that she wanted a book about how the gods came to be that I wrote that there was a lot of lore and details that I didn't even begin to consider until someone said you know I want to come from Takatari I want to worship the dragon god Shenshe it's like okay well, you know, what are you looking for? What are you thinking? And hey, hey Ian, hmm? can I have a book about Parasolophilus? I'll give you a child's book that will teach you how to spell it. Oh, oh, can it have <laughs> pictures in it too? It'll be a fucking pop-up book, baby. I was just about to beat me to it. Fuck yeah. Uh, if you can write down the name of whatever the fuck it is you just said to me, I'm sure I can bullshit my way through something. You don't know how to spell it, do you? No, I do. I'm typing it out. Okay. <laughs> but I feel uh, like he's lying he's... about... <laughs> I don't know. It is Pez. It is the kind of thing that he would know. Um, but the, that supposed book that you may or may not be referencing... Um, I only came up and wrote that book when she picked her little, uh, her background and like, uh, it's like you, you have a, a treasure and you are, uh, he just, <laughs> he typed Parasaurolophilus and said one book, please. <laughs> <laughs> Like but yeah, redeem one book. The the more that you guys ask and the more that you guys look to explore the world, the more opportunities I have to flesh things out cuz there's only so much that I can think of in one go. So it's it's been it's been a fucking wild journey. And we still have many years left to go at this rate. Yeah. They're going to 
so yeah, I uh, I'm kind of out of shit to talk to or talk about unless you guys have anything else you wanted to bring up or ask or what have you. Uh, I I do know that Becca added a topic kind of last minute, so you might not have seen it in time to do some research. Becca, do you want us to talk about that, or do you want to give them another two weeks to do some research and oh, come back to it? Um, allowing relationships between player characters in-game or between NPCs and players and using it in storyline and character development. Abso-fucking-lutely. Like, there's... Oh. I mean, look at Canlan. It... What? But it's bacon. <laughs> I mean, I I literally just made Canlan to be just this cute little, no offense, Canlan, a little throwaway character. No! And, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, her only job was to be to sell you tickets, send messages, since you guys don't have a wizard with the send message spell, or none of your clerics have that ability yet. And... Now she's like one of the main NPCs, I would probably argue at this point in time. You Can't just made her president. so dang cute. Well. <laughs> but like Zeke and I were talking about it earlier, and it was also how do you utilize those relationships? So do you allow the characters to have like that happy ending? Or are you going to be the DM that exploits that relationship and has them like the NPC be like the big baddie that you don't expect? Or are they going to be used as like the fridge character to try and move the campaign along stuff like oh, that don't like fridge fridging is never okay, <sighs> okay. i'm unfamiliar like with that. this term so uh, fridging shush your face Zeke. this is my topic shut up okay okay <laughs> so fridging happened in the comics and it was a basically where they sacrifice like a love interest for like motivation in a story it mostly happens to women in comics but and lately it's also been the guys and basically you sacrifice this character you have them go through like immeasurable pain and all this other stuff to motivate the character to actually like get off his ass and do something so it's uncle so ben it's pretty much no. well no it's it, it's usually a little darker than that um but it's basically like you it's kind of like in the batman movie like you only have so long to like get into this person you have to choose between this person and this person to have like this motivational background and like or like they killed the person and now you are like driven by revenge and grief to try and avenge this person that you love so much gotcha. but it's, it's like a whole thing so it's like how do you utilize those relationships in there and also do you encourage relationships amongst the players and their like the players characters and things like that so that's what i was like yeah um I mean, me personally, absolutely. Because <sighs> trying to think of the, be the best way and like what order I want to answer this in. Um, I mean, as I've said before, I'm all about the rule of cool. And what that tends to imply for me is every decision that I'm making is based off of the decisions that you guys are making. If you guys had not focused so much on Canlan then I wouldn't have put as much work into her character. If you guys didn't bother so much with Amanda and want to go back and see her and say like, hey, sorry we used your name without asking permission, then I probably wouldn't have gone through the trouble of trying to figure out like, okay, what happened once the mayor was gone? 
what has happened to this city. Because if you guys just went, uh, took care of the Duke, and then left, I probably would have never come up with Amanda being the de facto mayor, the mayor's mansion being dismantled to make a new sheriff's office. I wouldn't have come up with Colt and Longfeather. I wouldn't have come up with the nerdy Dragonborn or the super Southern Belle assistants that Amanda has. So I know it's not a specific answer to like, do I take Canlan and make her the big bad? Probably not because I already kind of have those like ideas in mind and kind of in place. But depending on how the players interact how much they interact, how much they tell them, how much they get them involved. If, for whatever reason, on their hunt for the Duke, they went to Luna Wind and they got Amanda involved, well, now the Duke could potentially learn something about that and use Amanda as leverage. Since that was never the case, there was no leverage to be had. The party known as the Tempest essentially went on their own thing. They were always together. No one was ever taken. They didn't really announce themselves until taking on the Duke. Now everybody knows about the Tempest, so they're technically kind of becoming a threat. As they start interacting with NPCs, and depending on how much stake they put into them and talk to them and do jobs for them, that's going to very, very, very heavily determine how I handle the NPC's relationships as far as making them into a fucking fridge or whatever the hell term you guys were using or potential love interests. I mean, Venera keeps saying she's going to come back and marry Canlan when their adventuring is done. That may or may not be the case. Does Venera, as the years go by, continue to interact and talk with Canlan and build that relationship? Or once they leave the Untamed West, is it basically complete incommunicado for years? In which case, coming back and trying to marry her might be a bit difficult. So, I mean, then you've also got to look. There was that one chick that Zahn boned. What, what happened there? You know? Actually, to, to bring that, that up. Yeah, what happened there? To, to bring that up, actually, um, one of the things that Zeke and I were talking about was uh, a DM went online and was talking about how he was tired of his bard banging everything, so he literally made a village that was just made up of all of the bard's bastard children. <laughs> so, like, every single person in the village was like a different race, a different like creed, like all these different things, and every single one of them had gotten together because all the mothers had congealed into one place to bitch about how what an asshole the bard was. <laughs> so, like, they all just raised their kids together because they were literally all half-siblings. That's glorious. That's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> um, I did want to shed a little bit more light, Becca, on fridging, if that's okay. Fine, go ahead. Be my nerd, <laughs> but I know you are. So the term actually comes from a very specific uh, Green Lantern comic, and it's it's not Hal Jordan, it's not Guy Gardner, it's the other white cis man that's a uh, Green Lantern who I was named. The I one can't that think no of. one cares about. The yeah. comic book artist one. I'm sorry. I, I believe that his like actual occupation was a like comic book artist. 
It, it could be. I don't remember much about them. I only heard about them because of fridging. Uh, but basically, they introduced a love interest a few issues before. And then the villain came along, found her, killed her, and then stuffed her in a fridge for the Green Lantern to find. And that's why it's called fridging. And it's it's uh, the... Oh, defin- fridging. I thought you said fringing. No, fridge. Fridge. Like a... Refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, and it's the act of introducing a character who has no value to the story except to die and motivate the main character. Interesting. Very, very lazy thing for writers to do. I mean, I can't so, necessarily say that that won't happen. But again, that's so all going to be very, very... Sorry, Pez. It's going to very, very, very be dependent on you guys. Yeah. Is this we'll say... kind of like... Is this Pez and Hamburger? Because Pez gets fridged and then Hamburger becomes God. You just take over as playing as Hamburger. You evolve into a very fluffy, feathery kobold. Yeah. Like raining down death from the skies. Um, I was going to say, though, uh, as kind of like a DVD reference, if you actually, from the Critical Role TV series, they have the little kid who um, they give the coin to. Who ends up dying like in the very next scene mm-hmm. um and that's basically fridging too they literally introduced this cute little boy and was like had this really cute little interaction of them blessing the house and giving them the coin and just being like this really cute interaction to literally just having him die in the very next scene <laughs> just, just annihilation imagine, imagine if anira is more like well different realm different crush she's the de facto bard of the group she has to create a harem just watch there's like a canlin in every single train station you just haven't met them yet it's just like weird variations of canlins canlin panlin fanlin yes well you all you all already met her family (laughs) yeah that's true and no there there is actually a Secret's the wrong word. It's like a quasi-Easter egg, I guess, in regards to the railway attendants. But I don't think anyone's figured it out. Are they like Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny? Not really. Close, but not really. To be fair, we haven't talked to a ton of them. Right, right. Which I kind of expected you guys to do, and you didn't. So you may have missed out on this little... uh, tidbit how Are they dare based you off see of our previous D characters like canon being kelpie no 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 not like that that would have been funny it's, it's far far simpler than that it's just one oh. big swift song empire <laughs> the entire untamed west is just the swift songs because <laughs> wait we t- i talked to one last session i can't what, what, what race were they i can't remember it was a gnome it was a gnome mm-hmm Hmm. Dead it. Now you've yeah you've dangled that in front of me. I'm like, nope, we can't leave the untamed <laughs> west yet. We gotta go back <laughs> to all the cities. <laughs> if only someone just took yourself. notes. If only someone took notes. I'm a bad note taker. And I I guarantee you that if you figured it out, you'd be like, oh well, that's not a big thing. It's like I know, but I was kind of happy with it. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not a big it's thing, like, but I'm still curious. <laughs> it's like your own little hidden Mickey's. Just go with it. Yeah, it is. 
I just realized, who is the cat? Uh, That is Issa. Okay. I was like, I know she was talking about being a cat the other day, but I was like, that was really fast turnaround. I am thoroughly impressed. Well, thank you. I mean, everything you're seeing on the stream here, apart from the steins that you and Martyr are and the pop cat... And, and my Popcat currently, because that one Issa did for me, the original Popcat, mm. I did all of that in a day. Oh, that's cute. You. It was about eight you. or nine hours straight of line work and color and making the different talking, not talking states. So. They're now, really granted, I, I stole a lot of assets and traced a bunch of things, but. Uh, Cheater. Well. Did you steal my moths? Uh, no, you were actually a kobold hugging, uh, like, jewels and shit. Oh. You was also... it actually shit? No. <laughs> I made it look like to shit and then colored it green. <laughs> to be fair, I also traced for Ian's bongo cat, so. Yeah. His bongo cat is adorable. Right? It's, like, my favorite thing ever right now. <laughs> uh but yeah, I, I'm I'm having so much fun coming up with shit as you guys go along. I, I'm excited for you guys to finally branch out and get into a new area and experience new cultures and stuff. So. I mean, what if we just stayed in the West? Um, what if we well, just done? Boy, let me stall for a moment as I pull up my Google Doc with all my story ideas. Um, actually, that way we would have to burn in religious sacrifice. Well, no, actually, this one needs to go away because you actually completed that one. Um, <gasps> oh, excuse me. We still have these dang scrolls out. The, the one on my desk is staring me in the face right now. It's a side yeah. quest that we may or may not get because we're stupid. From all the uh, training, I mean, you are pretty stupid. I know. <laughs> she says lovingly with murderous intent <laughs> so there's one two three four there's five potential uh like mini arcs or like i guess side quests I mean, you already alluded to a couple, like, the fact that we got rid of the Duke, you know, not everything is, you know, oh, everything's good now. No, that's that's not what happens when you dethrone. Yeah, power hates an a entire, vacuum. Yeah, that's an and entire Pez political fraction. Yeah, in like 15 <laughs> years when we get back. Um, but there, there are at also... least like five to seven potential side quests or mini story arcs that you guys were already given like hints to and you said nah we're gonna go up here we're gonna shit on that and pretend I mean, like I... Ian isn't giving subtle hints subtle hints to do this thing and we're just gonna go do whatever the fuck we want over here usually involves setting something on fire well, no I mean honestly they, they had three <laughs> different paths that they could have done to get to the same place and do the same thing they just chose one instead of two or three um, I, I, I mean, you're not going to tell us, but I also would assume since, uh, they found, uh, Kip found the little metal orb, uh, 
in the dungeon, then that probably has something to do with the West. Or it could not. I don't know. Oh, I don't know um, what the fuck that orb is. I don't know even know why you have it right now. Yeah, I know Ian Wallace. You know, that's the biggest bullshit <laughs> <laughs> I've ever fucking heard. He's like, yeah, I just, I just threw a plot hook out. I don't know where it goes. I just thought it'd be fun to fuck with you. Actually, so, no, I could see you doing that. So, Seek, there's... <laughs> I kind of want to talk about this one because you guys, you are going to be leaving the West, so you're you're not going to see this one. But I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Okay, go for it. So, this one's called Plot Number 5. You go in search of a lost dun, adventurer, dun, dun. Montana Jones, near the Elba tribe. You encounter a large dead creature in the lair. A high per passive perception or high perception roll will notice something underneath it. The lost adventurer killed the beast but was crushed under it as it died. <laughs> we missed an Indiana Jones reference! Yes, you did. Uh, damn you, it! You had at least three opportunities that you could have gone for that in that direction. And you guys talked yourselves into going a different route. I vaguely remember hearing about Montana Jones, and it nope. just did not register. <laughs> and I'm just so you, sad. You guys, now. you guys were at the uh, the mercenary guild, and one of the missing posters was for Montana Jones. Oh! I think I messaged Kayla about that in private. It's like, is that an Indiana Jones reference? Uh, <laughs> I can feel. Like, feel the pain through this like computer screen. I can just feel him slowly turning into one of those sad little balls of like puddles on the floor and like so... sobbing. <laughs> Bindi, or sorry, not Montana. So when you guys first went to Locust Harbor and you were deciding what you wanted to do, you decided you were going to go with Pez because you would heard. Uh, rumors of um, Longshot Lapis being up north around Trentonville. At the same time, wanted money. I very particularly sent the marshal to Pez, where he said, hey, by the way, there's this job I think you might be good at. And Pez, I don't remember if you even brought it up to the group. I think you just said, let's get on the train, let's go. But that would have potentially brought you to find Montana Jones as well. I thought I mentioned it, but everyone was just money hungry. Yeah. We were very money hungry. That's fair. So <laughs> you at least had two attempts to go after Montana Jones. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> that's like, that's like here. That's like you, you play through like. 50 hours of Skyrim and you found out if you had done the other thing on uh, this like single quest, you could have seen this really funny Easter egg. You're like, damn it. Mm -hmm. But once you reach that point of no return, there's no going back. You would have to like start all over again. I'm like, ah, yep. So, so this is the, the groups, uh, instead of mumble number five, it's plot hook number five, plot hook, plot, plot hook. hook number five. <laughs> So when we play uh, this again in uh, like 20 years or so, I'm saying there's a chance. We have to go find Montana Jones. <laughs> <laughs>
It's the first thing. It's like, hey, should we save? Uh, should we, we save get rid of the mayor Luna from Lunawind? No, we must go find Montana Jones. Lunawind <laughs> will be fine. I'm gonna laugh. It's, we're not even us. gonna find him. We're just gonna find some dude crushed by a boulder when this is the end of a hallway. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, you make me happy, Ian, but sad at the same time. <laughs> well, I made myself sad, to be fair. Yeah, poor baby. Uh, oh, poor Din. <laughs> That's great, though. I, I appreciate I appreciate the attempt of be like, hey, there's something over here. Like, no, okay, you'll really enjoy it. No, uh, okay. <laughs> my knee. Listen, I, like I, my knee. I, I brought it up once. You said no. Brought it up a second time. You said no. There is no third time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's about all we got here tonight. We've been going for our traditional two and a half hours or so. Tradition. Tradition. Uh. So, uh, with that being said, if you enjoy this, please give us a like. Download our shit from podcast form. Join the Discord. We're always looking for more people. Even if you're not really into D&D, first off, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> welcome, by the way, but what are you doing here? We do do other we things. We love to have you here, but fuck you. No, 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 <laughs> not, not fuck you. Just I'm, I'm curious if you're not into D&D, why the fuck did you tune into this? Uh, but we, we also play a bunch of other our games. Our enchanting we play commentary. Our enchanting commentary. The cute little tippy tappa plappa plap of the bongo cat. Um, moss. And the moss. Of course, the moss. We, we also play other games. We play uh, Battlefront on Pez Plays. We do a lot of Deep Rock, Destiny, all sorts of shit. So if you're interested in any of that and not so much in D&D, you're more than welcome to join. Even if you just want to sit and lurk, that's fine too. We just want people to feel welcome. Yeah. Uh, we will... Resident Lurker. <laughs> Resident Lurker. We will be streaming this Friday again for the actual campaign. It will be episode number 33, where theoretically they will be leaving the Untamed West. I say theoretically because I know how sometimes they like to talk, which is great. I love that they are building their characters, but it also kind of slows things down a little bit. So we will see what happens on Friday. That will be 7 p.m. Central, negative uh, 6 GMT, I think, this time of year. Might be negative 5. I can't really remember. Um... Six. What? 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 What is what? negative six? Yeah, negative six GMT, Greenwich Mean Time. I didn't know. The Greenwich has a time zone. I didn't know time can be <laughs> negative. Yeah, Greenwich wow. Mean Time is basically where? Where UK. is that? The yeah, it's, Eastern it's the UK. Is negative five. Yeah. Yeah. So that they are technically considered zero. So like when it is one o'clock in the morning their time. If you count backwards six hours, that is our time here, negative six. If you're in Pez's time zone, it's negative five. The true so, time. Yeah. Gator dimension. Okay. I, ju I just never heard it, like, phrased, like, negative six or negative whatever before. That's the first time I've ever heard that phrase. Well, whenever you're signing up for like an online account or whatever, and you have to choose what time zone you're in, if you click on Chicago, it's going to say negative six GMT. 
Because I haven't had to do that. Well, okay. You all <laughs> learned it here first. Learn something new every day. Sorry, you... continue. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, Go fi. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, donate, help support the stream and the podcast and all that fun stuff. We will see you Never Friday. Never appreciated, always required. Never appreciated, <laughs> always required. Uh, this, if you're watching this now and you want to share it with your friends, it will be in VOD form and podcast form this coming Monday. So look oh. forward to that. Woo -woo. Oh. Oh, uh, also, we will be doing Whiskey Wednesdays next Wednesday, but then after that, it will be alternating wednesdays to give me time and let my brain not be so stressed out and coming up ah. with shit to talk about <laughs> okay that's all i got anything else from anyone oh, cool i stalled long enough good night everybody Bye. Bye. Night. thank you for listening to the fools and flagons podcast if you enjoy our adventures you can catch us live on twitch at twitch.tv forward slash fools and flagons that's fools the letter n flagons all one word. If you want to hang out with the fools and other nerds, come join our Discord. The links can be found in the description.